Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to another episode of the Married Men Don't Talk Show, produced by Household Stress, home of the talk show, the top-selling book, and an app for your Android smartphones. We come your way every Tuesday night from 9.30 p.m. to 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Phone lines are open right now, but this show is strictly for men only, so call into the hottest talk show around. Now, we have a couple of rules, and they are absolutely no profanity and no politics, and more importantly, no racial stuff. The show is apolitical and race neutral so that we can make sure that any man can feel comfortable on our show. And furthermore, fellas, this ain't Bible study. We want you to just be able to come to our show as a man, and that is it. The Married Men No Talk Show always presents the hottest topics for discussion, and tonight is no different. Tonight's topic is, my sickly parent is affecting my healthy marriage. My name is Rodney, and I'll be your host for the evening, along with my co-hosts, Tony and Darren. This is a fluid conversation, so if you do have something to say, please feel free to do so, or if you just prefer to listen, that's absolutely fine as well. But please find your mute button right now and kindly put your phone on mute. All right. With all of that said, let's get started. There's a woman that I know that's been married for almost 10 years, and she and her husband have two children, a boy and a girl. They live in northern Virginia. But in recent years, both of her husband's parents got real sickly since they were getting up in age. Since her husband's parents live in New Jersey, the husband would leave after work on Friday nights to go tend to his sickly parents and usually wouldn't come back home until Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening. Her husband is either an only child or doesn't have any of his siblings local or capable enough to pick up the slack. I'm honestly not sure what the situation is there. But her husband was taking this trip on a pretty regular basis almost every single weekend. He was traveling so much that he eventually decided for both of them to quit their jobs and move the family to New Jersey so he could be closer to better tend to his aging parents. The husband was able to get a comparable job in New Jersey, but she was never able to land a job. So this dutiful wife was left to get the kids enrolled in school and sent them off every morning before she would look for employment all day to no avail. Soon after they moved, her husband's father died. Now I'm going to pause this true story right there, fellas. How do y'all think this affected their marriage? How do y'all think this situation affected their marriage? I think depending on what type of marriage they had before the storm hit. If they had a strong foundation, I think it would have made them closer. If they didn't, I think it would have ripped them apart. Mm-hmm. I don't think the foundation matter. I think that marriage is first in, in everything. So if it was strong or not, it would have weakened by the uh, by the decisions that were made by the husband because it seemed like it was selfish decisions that were made without regard to the family, the rest of the family. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. I think that the, that the marriage was doomed um, because he didn't cleave uh, to his wife. I think, yeah. I'm going to echo on what Darren said. I think the selfish motives kind of kind of destroyed the marriage. Mm-hmm. How can honoring your parents be a selfish motive? Not honoring, but 
letting it take so much control uh, over your life that it seeps into your 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 primary family. Yeah, I mean, See, a, I, what I heard was what I, what I heard, and maybe I didn't hear it, you know, clearly. What I heard was um, if he didn't, no one else would have. Well, there's other compromising ways to deal with that outside of just up and moving your entire family right around the corner. I mean, after they pass, then what? Where do you go from here? you go back home or do you settle up in where you are? You know, what do you do from there? And and you have to include your wife and your family on those big decisions, in my opinion. Obviously, and I didn't. he didn't say he didn't include her. At least I did, that's not what I heard. What, what I, you know, that's why I said depends on the... I believe a, a strong foundation to a marriage is, is critical. Um, and if they have a strong foundation, then, you know, even if they disagree, because, you know, both you can have an issue and, and, and love each other, have a great foundation, but disagree on what, what the action should be. Um, he, as the head of the family and the head of the house, has to make a decision. Even if the wife didn't agree, if she came into submission and said, "Okay, this is what we need to do," I don't agree, you know. But I'm gonna I'm gonna support what your decision for our family is. And that's a woman that understands what submission means. And she I'm not saying it was the right not. decision, but if you have if you have a strong foundation, then it allows you to be able to go through those without resentment. I'm pretty sure she has some resentment. And I'm pretty sure that she was a submissive spouse. It's just that he didn't he didn't cleave to his wife, and he was he you know he used the excuse. And this is just my from from what I heard that honey nobody else is going to take care of them, so we have to take care of them. But there are other options. Bring them closer to where she was stable. Bring them closer to you. Why you got to keep going over there to them? You know m- most people do that. They'll 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 change their basement around and have their parents or put their parents in a home that's closer to where they live, to where their money is. Why would you jeopardize her income, and now you're moving to another place where you can't even really financially take care of them the way that you would have been able to take care of them closer to your own residence? Well, the question was, you know, would it destroy the marriage? And if the marriage is solid on a solid foundation, then the decision that to move, and I'm not saying that was the best decision, but that's not gonna that's not gonna destroy the marriage if there's a solid foundation in the marriage. You know, so, um, you may not agree on what I've done, you know, and the decision I have to make, and that's that's part of there has to be a head to the family. They can disagree because if she says, "Well, I disagree and I'm not going," that's a whole other set of issues. But I'm not saying that she, like she should have gone. All I'm saying is, the question was, how you know how would this affect the marriage? And my answer is, if there's a strong foundation, it won't destroy the marriage. Now it's never easy if a parent is sick and you're a caregiver or anything like that. There's going to be times that you be you know. There's obviously number one. There's there's no one more important to me on this planet than my wife. But if my child got sick and I had to go out and care for that child, at that point, that's critical that I do that. Or my mother got sick and I had to care for her, that's critical. That doesn't mean I don't love my wife and I'm putting my wife on a back burner, but there's times I've got to deal with that. I mean, 
I have to go to work every day to pay for, you know, pay for my life. That doesn't mean my wife isn't more important than my work. It just means that's at that particular time critical. So, 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 what does leave and cleave mean then? What does that mean to marry? Well, leave and cleave simply means that the authority in your life is no longer your parents, and you're cleaving to your wife. Okay. Okay. You two are becoming one. All right, it doesn't mean that we don't have responsibility for our parents. Now, could he have brought them? I don't know what the situation was. That may have been a better option, but he chose the option to go up there. Now, that may not have been the best option. I don't know. But the question was, what would it do to the marriage? And I said it depends on the foundation that was built. And, and Dan said, the foundation doesn't matter, which I totally disagree with. The foundation in the marriage is the critical thing when, when a storm hits. Well, the reason why I said um, um, the foundation doesn't matter is because the, a situation this critical can put it on unstable ground. So even if it's on solid ground, it can make it, it can, it can shake the bed a lot, especially when the wife feel like, more attention is getting giving towards the uh, the ill parents or uh, no, no, you're talking her, about her feelings are not being. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. That right there is selfish. Hold on a second. You, you gotta let them finish. You gotta let them finish. It, when right. when when the uh, when the parents are sick and she's not none of her feelings, any of her feelings are not taken into consideration. If that's the case, if she say, "Well, dang, I already got my stuff set up. I can't find a job in New Jersey. I don't know anything about New Jersey." Can we do it another way? And he say, No, we're not doing another way. This is my decision. That at that point it turns from a from a marriage or marital decision into a selfish decision. And that right there that's, that's, that's not what he said happened. So what? That's not what he said happened. And it, that depends on the foundation of the marriage. Because I'm well, gonna I'll tell you if that happened to me and my parents live in New Jersey. Okay? Uh, if that happened to me and I felt that that's what we needed to do all right, even though my wife has a great job and all that kind of thing, if I felt that that's what we needed to do and she disagreed, we would take it into prayer, we would talk about it, we would think about it, we would look at the options, and I'd say, honey, I believe that this is the best option for us. And she says, well, you know my, my feeling on it. I say, I understand that. I take that into account, but this is the direction I think we need to go. And do you think and I've that listened you would to just you and I understand and you think that that she would be totally 100 and your marriage wouldn't, even though it's against what she wants to do. And then she goes up there and can't find a work, find a job. And she goes uh -huh. up there and have a hard time finding friends and adapting to the weather and all of those other things. You think that your house would be at peace when she said she didn't want to come? I, I absolutely believe my house would be at peace because I know the foundation that our marriage is built on. Now, there's sometimes we have to do things for short periods of time that are not comfortable. I mean, there's guys in the military that have to leave their family for a year or two, whatever it happens to be their deployment. They're okay? going to understand and, it. And that's not comfortable, but that's the life that they've chosen. And does it hurt the marriage? It depends on the foundation. It's, 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 it doesn't always mean it has to be destroyed because of those things. Now, well, in the you know, that's not the case. We don't want to deal with those things, but sometimes they have to be dealt with. Yeah, but you're making, you're making a decision to say, okay, you're dealing with a military man. You're marrying me under the understanding that I'm going to be traveling a lot, not going to be in the house. 
if you accept this right. proposal, you got to accept this is a lifestyle. Now, a sickly right. event or an event that come into place, and it says, okay, this happened, we're going to up and do this thing, and then we're going to go to New Jersey, and we're going to homestead in New Jersey. That's that's a life change within. That's a life changing event within the marriage that wasn't included in the deal when y'all first got married. And if she disagree with that, it's, it's going to bring a little bit of havoc. That's all I'm saying. I believe. I'm, I'm not saying it's, it's going to be easy. All I'm saying is that, and first of all, you know, in the deal, it's for better, for worse, for rich, for poor. Okay, till death do us part. That means whatever storm comes along. We're going to be together because the divorce is off the table. So we've got to figure out a way to how to overcome this storm. We may, you know, we may disagree on how to do it, but that has no, no bearing on the marriage. That's an issue separate from the marriage. Now, if I go in and I say, it doesn't matter what you have to say. I'm doing what I'm doing because this is what I decided to do, and you have no say. That tells okay, a whole lot more about the marriage than it does about the issue. Okay, let's flip it then. Let's say if it's her parents. You're in Maryland. Right. You guys are in Maryland. Right. And her parents live, per, let's say, California. And she right. says, we need to make a decision to move out to California. Uh, you need to find a job down there. And your practice or whatever you're doing is here. You're talking from East Coast to West Coast. And she makes right. a decision to move all the way out to California and homestead in California and she's making a decision for the whole entire family, you and her, meaning your household. Would you be, let's say, more apt to doing that without saying, well, look, I got my practice here? Would the feeling be the same? Would the expectation be the same? Well, you're asking me something and saying that she is now the head of the, head of the house and makes the ultimate decision. Well, That's, you, you have just taken... Headship of the family and giving it to my wife, not to me. No, no, no. Her, but her priority is her parents, as your priority mm-hmm. was your parents at the time. Okay. She was an only. You, just, say, yeah, I didn't she hear made a you didn't say I didn't that. I hear him say that. I, I didn't hear him say that the that the headship was was reversed. He just said okay. that for her to say that we are moving the family out and you you need to find work out there. Is her making the decision? Well, can no, I just ask, why is that any different? Like, why why is that any different? Why is that different? Because the wife is not the head of the family. No, the I husband's think, but the, the head but, of the family. But the, but the point is, but I think what the, what the provocation I heard, though, is would you then be able to understand the feelings that she would have when it's reversed? And what Totally would understand the feelings, the but... but uh, it has nothing to do with the feelings. It has to do with the proper order of things. Okay? I'm sorry, but I'm just trying to go back to the original question that was just asked. If you take the, you know, again, I, if you take the whole piece out, you just say, you know, if you switch the scenario where now you are being told or you're being, you know, the decision has been made, I think the provocation is just one of, 
you know, what impact would that have on that household? You know, would you still be able to accept it the same way you're asking your wife to, regardless of what you say the proper order is? And I think it's a right. great question because I think what it shows is, is that no matter what you say or what we say is the proper order, if you take somebody and have somebody move and it's something that they disagree with, but even if they're trying to be supportive of the proper order, there's going to be more chaos in that household. And as somebody who's moved, you know, three, four times and has moved exactly. to California, trust me, I understand. My wife may come, but it's going to still be your, your household is going to suffer. <laughs> well, exactly. I've, I've dealt with issues where that has happened, and the wife said, I'm not going. Mm. And, and this was a military situation. And the husband was being deployed for two years, and she says, I followed you all over. I'm not going. Okay, I'm staying here, and I'm not quitting my job. And a year in, she couldn't understand why her marriage was in turmoil. Again, okay. Andrew, that's different. That's different. That's different. She, well, she married all I'm saying to you is that, that obviously it's best for both of you to be on the same page. Obviously it's best to sit down and say, these are the options, and both of you say, yeah, this isn't what we'd like to do, but this is what we need to do, and this is what we agree on doing. That's obviously the best-case scenario. But if, 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 either, if both of you are on either side of an issue, a decision has to be made. Either she's going to say, you know, hey, I, I, maybe that's the way it works in your house. The wife makes the final decision, and she says, we're not doing it, okay? Or the husband makes the final decision and says, we are doing it. Either way, one of you is going to feel like, Boy, this isn't the way I want it to be. Okay? There'll be situations in a marriage that you disagree, and then somebody has to make the final decision. I didn't say who should make it. You didn't say who should make it. In a Christian home, God says who makes it. And if you have a problem with that, don't get mad at me. That's what God said. Yeah, but you're dancing no, around. Will it be easy? The no. Flipped but, around. but if the foundation is right, this is when this is when you're called upon, you know, to, to look at it. Now, hopefully, it's a short period of time. Hopefully, you know, that you guys made the right decision. But what if it's the wrong decision? Should the wife now say, see, I told you we shouldn't have done this? Hold on, hold on. We I didn't want to so do winded. it, and you decided to do it? We can't be so winded because there are a lot of callers on the phone to try to make your, your, your answers brief. But, Andrew, you're dancing around the answer. All we wanted to know is if the role was, was flipped, what would you do? If she was the head of the house and, and not I was not the, the head of the house. You're the head of the I, house. I'm sorry? Say You're the again? head of the house. You're the head if of the I'm house. the head of the house, I have the final decision. If you're the head of the house, I'm not asking who has the final decision. I have the decision. final decision. If you're the head of the house. If she's the head of the house, family. she has the final decision. Just let me finish. I'm going to reiterate the question. If you're the head of the house, that doesn't change. Right. But now it's her parents, and she's saying, right. we need to go. You're a supportive husband. Don't forget that. You can be the head of the household, which is still a supportive husband. She says, we need right. to go to California because my parents are ill, and I have to be there with my parents. And I know that you have a right. practice here, but you, we're going right. to have to find this is what I need to do. Now, a lot of people live on happy life, happy life, happy life. So what would you do in that situation? Okay. If, if I decided we were going to move to California, we'd move to California. 
Okay, if so she, she decided could decide that. to move to California, and I haven't decided that, then we're not going to move to California. Mm-mm. Okay, but okay, if, if I am the head of the house, that simply means I that I, I make the final decision. Sure. Yeah, but taking you, everything so, so into if you account, to move we're to New Jersey. Children, say that again. If you decide to move to New Jersey because it's because it's your parents, and she doesn't really right. want to move to New Jersey, you're still moving to New Jersey because you're the head of the house. Whether it's her parents or my parents, the final decision has to be made by somebody, and headship doesn't go back and forth. Gotcha. If I'm the head of the family, I've got to make the final decision. I'm the one that's responsible ultimately for the family. Yeah, right, but, but, but headship, but headship but doesn't know. go back and forth. It doesn't have to go back and forth, but you could decide that you want to be, uh, you know, uh, a, a spouse that really, you know, empathizes with your wife, and you can go and still not be happy while you're out there. You can, you know, exactly. Like a lot of us, you made, the, you, made the, you made, you made, the, you made the, you made the thing when you said you could decide. That's exactly right. I but could decide I'm going to go there, and I close my practice, and I go and can't find work, and I'm not happy and things aren't right. But I've decided this is what we're going to do, taking everything into account. I'm not saying I wouldn't go. All I'm saying is that there has to be someone that makes the final decision in the family. Now, you know, when I have to make a decision, there's been times I've had to do that where my wife has been against what I have decided to do. We're in the midst of a situation right now that I made a decision that we were going to do something and she was against it, and it hasn't worked out very well. I still believe it was the right decision, but it hasn't worked out well. But she said to me, you know, you know how I feel. This is my feelings. I don't think that this is the way we should go, but you, I'm going to be behind whatever you decide. You know my feelings and you know what I think. And I said, I understand and I appreciate that. Um, but I believe this is the way we should go. And she said, I'm supporting what you say that you believe we should do. Okay, if I felt that we needed to move to California because of her parents, it's not a, a, a selfish thing saying these are your parents, they're not as important. If that's my attitude, then there's something wrong with me. If I'm not going to take my wife's feelings into account and our kids and work and job and all that, and all I'm thinking about is me and I don't care about anything else, there's a problem in me. But that's a different issue of, of the decision that has to be made, someone has to make it. And that's what headship is. I'm the head of my company, okay? That means I've got to take opinions from people that work for me and people that counsel with me, but sooner or later, a decision has to be made, and it has to be by me. Even if I'm agreeing with someone else. I mean, I may see something in a different way, and, and my wife brings it to me and shows me this. And I say, you know, you're right, honey. The best thing for us right now is to be there for the next couple of years with your parents. Mm. But I've made the decision for the family. Good words. Anybody else on that? Yeah, and what we don't know is, you know, the headship, you know, whether the headship was flipped or how they made the decision. Um, that's what we don't know, but does anybody want to take a guess as to what their current status is as of today? Divorced. Divorced. Anybody else want to agree or disagree with that, brother? I agree with them. I think they're either divorced or separated. Yep, you're right. She's packed up the kids, moved her and the kids back to VA, and got her old job back. 
Her husband still works in New Jersey and lives with his sickly mother in his boyhood home. Now, I don't know if the ink is officially dry yet, but both of y'all are right. You know, the, the marriage is basically over. So what do y'all think about that? Well, 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 well let me ask you a question, Mr. Host. What, mm-hmm. Is that an example of him leaving his parents and cleaving to his wife or no? Say again, leaving his parents. Yeah, I mean, did he leave and cleave to his marriage, or did he just remain in the same undeveloped situation that he was when he was actually living in the roof of his, of his parents? I think in this case, it's the latter. I think that he was still, and and even today, you know, to your question. He's living in his boyhood home. He might be sleeping in his old room. I mean, I, I really don't know, but I mean, to your to your point, you know, he literally has gone into almost like a, a like a child mode because, like you said, I don't know if he never if he never you know left his parents. You know what I mean? And that's expected. um, It's expected when you don't uh, confront or make a decision in that manner. And even if you are the head, if you make a decision and it's rational or your emotion is tied next to that decision and it's not a godly, uh, godly guided decision and it's not a compromise and you didn't try to compromise with your wife, and you didn't consider her feelings, it, uh, that's just almost expected. I mean, it's inevitable at that moment, you know, to to, to discount her because that's how she would feel. She would feel discounted, and she's not challenging your headship. It's just you didn't even regard her feelings at all or the children or the situation or anybody except for what you was feeling about your mom at that time. So that's why I made the statements that I was making, not taking away or swapping or reversing the roles or anything like that. It's just when you're making a a family decision or a huge move like that, um, her feelings need to be heavily considered because it's her life too. Yeah, and that's that's why I agree wholeheartedly with what you said earlier about the whole concept of submission. You know, we can use the kind of draconian or, you know, biblical, whatever you want to call it, you know, concept of submission, and that may be fine. But at the end of the day, after that person, that woman in this case, submits, if she ain't happy three months, four months, five months, six months down the line, then you're going to be dealing with another issue that you feel is going to be biblical or draconian. That's going to be called divorce, and you're going to have to deal with that. (laughs) And I think that's why, you know, as men, you know, we need to challenge ourselves when we really have these type of conversations about, you know, who's the head and all of that. You know, I'm not, I don't, I mean, maybe it's just me. I'm I'm not the head. I don't think I'm the head because of, you know, you know, my gender or I'm the head. I, I don't look at it like that. You know, I look at it like, you know, my wife and I are in partnership and we got to make decisions together. And there may be certain things that one person may be more equipped to deal with that than another. And I know for a fact, like most of us, there are certain issues that I'm not going to be able to move my wife on. If something's wrong with her mother, guess what? We're going to have to deal with that. And, I, you know, that's just a fact. And so, you know, I think you got to know your spouse, man, because, like I said, you can be right all day. Like my father used to always say, you can always be in the right, but, you know, you're going you're gonna to still pay the price eventually. So 
So I think that's something yeah. that's going to deal with. Yeah, and I and I agree with that, and um, and good words, and I also believe that hopefully you never have to make that end all be all decision. Like, well, okay, well, I said so because I'm ahead, and this is the way it has to go. Hopefully, you know, most of the decisions can be equally shared and equally agreed upon, so you don't have to, you know, flex at any point in your marriage. Yeah, I like to add a little bit on this also here. Uh, I think. Right now, the example you gave, uh, it's, it really shows what a lot of men fail to do, and we have to be conscious of that. We have to show consideration through our actions. You know, you can say, you're the head, that's great. But if a woman does not see you being considerate to her needs or her feelings through your actions, then it's a wrap. That's right. There's Probably, I don't know, hundreds of different scenarios to play out in that New Jersey VA scenario you gave us, Rodney, to where he could have done some actions that would have been more considerate to his wife that would not have led to divorce. But, you know, him going back home, chilling with the boys, she moving back to VA, hey, that's the end result of him not being considerate. Mm-hmm. Mm. Exactly. Good words. I think, that, I think that I think that like what Ike was saying is we have a we have a responsibility to a submissive wife that we can't we can't be irresponsible to her because she's going to follow us that she's on the right path following her husband. So just like you said, you know, we have to be considerate and be responsible for what happens and some of the decisions that we make aren't going to be right. So we have to be even more careful of the decision that we make if we have a Submissive wife. Mm-hmm. That's about exactly, um, Tony. Um, as far as me, when I go into a decision, I know at the end of the day that that my wife is gonna is going to back me, and it scares the heck out of me. It makes me examine my motives. Is this selfish? Is this for me? Because I know at the end of the day that she that she's going to follow me. And for me, that puts a tremendous onus on me. So it's not just this is what I want to do because it's me, and I'm uncaring, and I'm like you guys are making this out to be. For me, the situation would be very strong to, you know, hey, is this the thing that, 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 that I should be doing, or what is the right answer here? Okay, is this me just wanting to do something for me, or, or am I hearing from you? And if I'm not absolutely sure that I'm hearing from the Lord, that I feel that this is the right way to do, I'm not going to make that call. Okay, if my wife is that adamant against it, and I want to make sure that I'm, that I'm doing the thing that I feel that the Lord would have me do, not what, what I would have me do for selfish reasons. And that's one of the things, like you said, if you have a wife that you know will follow you, that puts a heavy weight on you, unless you're just an idiot and you don't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, I'm, I don't believe we're trying to make it out to be like you're just a dominant person. It's just more so uh, if when the, when the roles are reversed, your, 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 it seems that your opinion changes about the, um, the importance of the matter of moving. Um, when and no, the wife, you're, you're reading it wrong. You're reading okay, it wrong. You fine. said I decided to move to California for her. If I've decided that that's the best thing to do, that's what we're going to do. 
If I decide that the best thing to move is to New Jersey, that's what we're going to do. But I have but, to be the one that makes the decision either way. But the problem well, I'm not is, saying that the best decision wouldn't be to move to California. Okay, but what, what the problem is is when she sees or if, when she feels in her spirit that she really needs to do something, and then when the roles are reversed, it's like, well, we're going to do this decision based off of what I feel or what I feel is best for the family. But when she feels it's best for the family, it's like you almost put her feelings aside, not you, but just in, in this type of scenario, if, you know, you'll put her feelings aside and say, look, it's more important that we stay here if it's your parents. But if it's my parents, it's more important that we move and I'm making a decision and that's what it's going to be. And when, when, you, you when see, a woman hears that. that. When a wife's, no, I'm just saying, I never said that. I, I didn't say you did. I'm just talking in, in, in general. When a wife hears that, then uh, if, if it's a double standard, if she feels that it's a double standard, that's where the problems are going to be created. Because she's like, well, dang. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's, absolutely. That's what I if, if there's a double standard, absolutely she would feel that way. Hopefully that doesn't happen once, and God forbid it happened twice, to have a double standard. Okay. So if your wife told uh, you that God told me, if your wife said God told me that we need to make this move, okay, if is are you gonna? Because some some guys have feelings about this. Well, God is not going to tell you something and not confirm it with me first. So you know now you're challenging what she hears by what you hear. And I'm not trying to make this a religious conversation, but some people, some husband and wives, feel that they hear certain things. And then when that challenge is put before the table, what do you do, do at that moment since when you bring, when you bring that, that spiritual entity in? You know, do you, do you side with, okay, well, if God told you, do you go with that? Or do you just say, let me really, really examine it? Vice versa, when it's your parents, it would be a quicker decision that's made, and you don't even have to bring or pray or nothing else. You don't have to bring nothing else into the scenario. You can just make the decision to say, okay, this is the best move for the family. I talked to God. Now, why are you making it uneven? Why are you saying if it's my parents, I'm not going to pray and I'm not going to seek the Lord, but if it's her parents, I have to do that? See, that's the problem I have. The problem I have what, is you're trying to paint it as if if it's my parents, I'm just going to make this, this, this selfish decision. If it's her parents, I'm going to find every reason not to. But I'm just saying in, in her, in, from her mentality, that could be the way it seems. And that's why it's well, not going to last. Well, I don't know your, your relationship with your wife, but that wouldn't be the way it would be with my relationship. No, no, I'm not talking about anybody, any particular person's wife. I'm talking about the scenario. In any scenario, a wife would feel, in any scenario, you, you, you would make a decision. If, it, if you was in my shoes uh, based off of what you say or claim that you heard from here or there, but then when it's my decision... To, to do something, and I said I heard from the Lord. It's like you got to think about it, and blase blase. And some wives that will put some wives in a position to feel that they're, you know, they're discounted, is what I'm saying. And that will cause, I, and that will lead to problems. Can I ask a question? Um, and I'm gonna try to help Andrew out here too because I, I think that at at some point, um, well, well, well. Let me ask this question. If you and your wife have a child, a baby, that, um, you know, is going through the flu or some kind of illness, nothing really serious, but it goes to a certain point where somebody's got to take leave from their job to take the baby to the doctor, right? 
which who determines which person takes the leave? Both. Well, one of them got to take the. I mean, you don't both have to take off to to take the baby to the doctor. So, which is deemed yeah, which said, one takes you, the leave? Yeah, you said who determines it, and I said both. Oh, I'm know, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but who? Which person would would be more suitable to take the leave? How would you make that decision? Well, it depends, and I, you know, I make that decision all the time. Um, my wife's a teacher, um, sure. so she doesn't have a whole lot of sick leave, and because she gets spring break and Christmas break and summer break, you know, she can't be taken off for doctor's appointments. And thankfully, my my job offers me a, a lot more flexibility than hers. So, generally speaking, um, I take the kids, um, cool. you know, to cool. their appointments, and you right. know, but again. It's it's like it, I th- I think you know to you, to answer your question it's dependent on you know the situation and that would be reversed if I was a teacher and my wife had more flexibility you know what I'm saying there so I, I don't think it's I don't think it's unique to you know a specific gender and you know but you know I take I I got three kids and I take all of them to their checkups their physicals if they sick I stay home with them you know that's sure it just it's it's it's, it's understood that you know I will be the one you know doing that and. You know, thankfully, my wife in recent years, because it is, you know, managing dental appointments and my oldest has uh, braces, orthodontics appointments, and, you know, the baby's sick. You know, it, managing all that, you know, thankfully, my wife has not looked to me 100% of the time, you know, to, to take that leave or to run to the doctor or to stay home from work. Um, you know, she has stepped up, you know, since we had three, because it is... It is a little bit of juggling, you know. Um, so now, you know, I, I try to get smart about it. Like I schedule the dentist appointments on the but same day. Wait, wait, day. wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for answering it. But the question isn't based on the, – the, the decision isn't based upon you being the head of the household. It's based upon who's, who's more suitable, who has more leave, who's got more flexibility to handle these responsibilities, right? Um, yeah, pretty much. But I mean, yeah, and but I could say that, you know, yeah, I got flexibility, but you take them. But you don't. I could do that. I don't. But you don't. Because that's being inconsiderate. Exactly. You know, being being the head of the house, you know, as as the brother said earlier, you know, you can't be head of the household and be inconsiderate and insensitive at the same time. That just don't jive. Gotcha. So, 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 with Andrew having to practice here, and all the offices that he has, versus his wife may not have a practice here. You know what I'm saying? And she says, "Okay, well, let's move because my parents are sick in California." That may not be the best suitable move for the family, even mm-hmm. if it is. So, it may be a, a situation where he's not being selfish, but it just doesn't make sense. This is where the money is. And mm-hmm. I understand your parents are sick, but I just can't leave this cash cow to go take care of your parents. You follow mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So it may come down to to finances or it may come down to just common sense. You know how that decision is 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 um determined, I'm thinking. That makes any mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. It does. It does. And you know, both of my parents you know, are healthy and, and currently enjoying the retirement life. You know, they, they, they're they chilling. I mean, it's really, 
to me, is what life should be about. That they're young, they retired early, and they're just enjoying it. But you know, wh- what about your parents? Are they healthy, sickly, or deceased? What about your parents? What, what is their current situation? Healthy, sickly, or deceased? I'd say healthy. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? Yeah, my parents. My my, my father is my, my father is living in here. Here, my mother is is divorced, but my mom is a cougar, and my dad is just a you know. I mean, he's enjoying retirement life too, but he's he's just re, you know retired and just uh, living living good. Mhm. Mhm. What about your wife? Both my parents are healthy. Okay. What about your wife's parents? Same, you know, same question. For your wife's parents, are they healthy, sickly, or deceased? Um, well, her, her, her dad passed away, and that was an issue that we had to deal with because for several years he was sick, and we had to step up and do things, um, you know, during the period of him being sick. So we kind of went through some of that kind of, you know, situation where he was local, but those things took priority because, I mean, you know, they had to be done. And sometimes, you know, she was the only child that was stepping up to do it. So these were the things we had to do. But her mom is healthy. Yeah, I feel, I feel like if I, if I can add, so I feel like I've been faced with this a few times. So, you know, when I look at my dad, my dad passed away last year. Um, so, you know, you I, we had that as well. And then my wife's mother um, has you know has some medical challenges too, so you know I definitely can empathize with uh, <laughs> some of the conversations that we've been having here. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, my wife's uh, mother is deceased, and her father is uh, institutionalized. Mm. Yeah, both my wife's uh, parents are are deceased. Hey, what's up, fellas? Hey, what's up, brother? Wizards. Let's get them. <laughs> there you go. That's the signature, right. brother. That's the signature. Go ahead. Hey, what's up? I was going to tell you all that uh, I had an interesting situation. My um, my dad was sick, and he didn't tell nobody. And it came out when he was forced to retire from his job because of his illness. And we were like, well, why didn't you tell us? And he's like, I just, I didn't know what to do. So my wife and I actually had to become the parents, find him a doctor, um, get him treatment. I mean, he's he's 100% better now. But, you know, that's a situation where you're under the impression that your parents are doing well and they're not. They're afraid to tell you because they don't want you to worry, but then you got to act like the parent after the fact. So that's a kind of a unique situation in my standpoint. Yeah, I have that same problem with my mom. She has serious issues. She won't tell me. I have to call, literally call her doctor, try to find out some things. Hmm. Yeah, but you, you said that your wife's mother is deceased. Yes, and yes, she was uh, she was murdered by uh, my wife's father. Mm-hmm. 
And that's why he's institutionalized. Right. Gotcha. So in that scenario, you basically, no pun intended, you dodged a bullet um, with the whole idea of this, you know, sickly stuff. As the brother said, you know, he dealt with it with his wife. His father-in-law was sick. Um, but do you, do you ever think about that, like, when it comes to your in-laws getting up in age, that you don't really have to worry about that, you know, um, Unfortunately, her mom has passed, and you know the father is institutionalized. But do you, do you ever think about like you ain't got to deal with none of that stuff? You know, call it you know like you call the doctor for your for your own mother, but you ain't got to deal with none of that stuff for your wife. You ever you ever thought about that or even realized it? No, nah, because I've been so busy dealing with my own parents. <laughs> uh, truthfully, uh, so. Whether I'm dealing with it with her parents or my parents, you know, we're still dealing with it. Um, I guess we're just not dealing with it as a double dose as as a lot of people are. You know, Rodney, this brings brings something to my mind when, you know, when my wife was going through uh, with my father-in-law, you know, you pretty much – you need to do whatever you got to do to support your wife in that situation. Um, you know, uh, whatever she feels is what needs to be done is what we did. And if she felt she needed to be there, or, you know, and he's, he'd stayed with us for some time and different things like that, um, you know, you got to be considerate, uh, you know, of your wife in that situation. You just do. You know, even if, you know, if you got to find a way, you got to find a way. Because if you drop the gauntlet and this person passes, you're never going to live through that. Yeah, and it's funny you you say that. Yeah, it's funny you say that, Andrew, because honestly, fellas, I'm going through this stuff as we speak. For the last last month and some change, my wife's mother has been hospitalized. And she was diagnosed with congestive heart failure some years back. But she got really bad off last month, and my wife has been traveling to two different hospitals that are two and two and a half hours away from our house, respectively. Um, her mom had open-heart surgery last week and is in stable condition now, thank God. But she'll probably be in the hospital that's two hours away um, for about the next three to four weeks, maybe. And sometimes my wife stays overnight. She actually stayed last night, just arrived uh, prior, you know, late this evening prior to us starting. Um, so I've been kind of winging it, you know, as a, as a single dad. Um, so I have to figure out what to cook for dinner, uh, washing and putting clothes away. I was helping with homework this evening and cleaning. Well, I haven't been doing that much cleaning, but. Um, you know, it's, it's manageable. I do, you know, clean the kitchen and make sure, um, you know, that things are in some order. But, you know, there are toys occasionally strewn around the rooms. But um, I had to pay P-Town to come out and cut my grass last week because I don't have the time to do it. And my mother-in-law's sickness, unfortunately, fell right in the middle of the spring recital season. My daughters play the piano, and they both do ballet. 
Um, I got an 11-year-old and a 6-year-old. No, excuse me, 11-year-old and a 7-year-old. And we had a piano recital last month, and the ballet recital is next month, but they're getting ready with an aggressive rehearsal schedule, which is every Friday evening and also every Saturday afternoon until the recital. And we do have an almost two-year-old son that I have to keep entertained as well. And the good news is my son is not a mama's boy, but the bad news is if we're at home, I can't be out of his sight for more than a few minutes. Um, And to those of you who talk to me on the phone when I'm at home, you can hear him in the background. Um, But if I go upstairs or get something, you know, to get something or to use the bathroom, he starts yelling, Daddy, Daddy. You know, and he proceeds to follow me just to see what I'm doing. So, I mean, I'm I'm in the thick of this, you know, right now, um, fellas. Can I can I comment on that, Rodney? Go ahead, bro. I'll, I'll tell you, I, I understand, and, and you know, um, you know, Christine told us what was going on, and we've definitely been praying for you guys. Um, the positive end of that, because this is what happened with us three years ago before my wife's dad passed. Okay, but because of the compassion and love that I showed to her in 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 that difficult time. Today we have a stronger marriage because she knows I'm going to be there for her. Mm. And that's what you get when you have compassion and understanding when, you know, when your wife's spouse or your spouse's parents are going this way, if you're supportive and do whatever you got to do to allow them to, to care for and minister to their parents the way they feel they need to do. That's a lot different than the uncaring, we're doing it my way you know, painting picture that's been going on here. But that's really the truth. When you allow them to 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 do what they feel they need to do in their heart, it's gonna be better in the long run. Even if even if you don't feel it, you know, that's the best way to go. And this is a lot on me. But that's that's part of the vows that you take. But but when at this at this moment, even though let's just say the wife say, Hey I think that I should be going down here every night, every day, um, all the time, or whatever. I don't know what the arrangement is, but, you know, after that exhausting trip, you know, a man or a husband still needs to, you know, hey, I've been around these kids all day, but I I want a little love, tender love and care tonight, you know, and it's like I can't do this. That even has a... A bearing, and I'm not trying to get into rotten sex life for anybody else that's going through this, but I know that has to carry an even heavier weight. And you know, if the kids, if the kids take, he's taking care of all the kids and doing all these other things, something is going to be missing because even though you agree to this travel or agree to this um, extensive. Um, Caring, caring for your parent is going to miss somewhere. And God forbid is if she stays that way for a long, long time. Uh, I wish we were praying that she, don't, she won't. But eventually everybody wears and tears. Everybody. Everyone does. So you've got to still, even in that, find a balance, I believe. You still have to find a balance. Hey, I'm still a husband Hey, I'm still a wife. I still have. I'm still a mother. Hey, I'm still a father. 
okay, if it was me and your parents going through this at the same time, then what? You know, so it still has to be a balance somewhere where the marriage can come together and say, hey, it has to be something that we stand on to make our marriage solid. Yeah, and that's that's interesting you say that. Um, and I want to tie in, add to possibly a little what you said. Um, 30 seconds, fellas. It's not something that your wife will just know just by looking at you what it is that you're thinking. We still, as women, need to know, we need to hear what it is that you're going through, whether it's anger, whether it's being afraid. If you're mad with us, I mean, I want to know if my husband is mad at me, if he's hurt, because otherwise in those moments of us just sitting there and just looking at each other, that's what those moments are, moments of being unsure. I don't know what's going to happen. I know I'm not going to stop fighting for my marriage. And especially at a time like this, I need to know, regardless whatever it is, I just need to know. It's a main piece of conversation in our life right now, and I don't care how bad it is. I still need to hear it. So is this woman right or wrong? Is she right in saying that no matter how bad it is, that our wives still need to hear it? Well, since that was my wife, yeah, you know how my house is. (laughs) 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 Yes, and that's how we, and, and, you know, and since that that episode, uh, and I didn't know these things outside of her saying it on the show, outside of her finding out how I felt on the show. we have been carrying it like that because, you know, I didn't. I thought I was going to be too harsh if I tell her, "Look, man, you know, you're not, you're not giving me. You, you mean you, you ain't giving me no sex? You know, uh, 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 we're not going any places, and you're not, you're not uh, cleaning up the house or whatever the case is. You know, I did not know I could tell her without hurting her feelings." Mm. And all things considered, I had to consider everything. I couldn't just be selfish and say I need, I want, and give it give it to me. I had to be considerate of everything. So that involved a whole lot of conversation between us. Hmm. Well, and so you're saying that should should we put our feelings on the back burner, or or not? You know, until this stuff kind of blows over. No, it can't go on the back burner because it's going to come out somewhere else, and it's going to come out in a wink from another woman. Uh, it will come out in uh, aggression towards the kids if they're just too rude and too bad, or it'll come out, It, I mean, normally uh, it it will because I notice myself it start to come out in certain things in, in, in my tone, my attitudes, my ways. It start to reflect me because I was holding it all in. And um, and I wasn't letting her in on anything because I thought that if I said anything, it would hurt her or it would hinder her healing, and um, and I didn't want to seem like I was uh, insensitive to her situation. Mm-hmm. And you speak about insensitivity, and you mentioned something earlier uh, about sex. What, what about sex? I mean, if your wife 
parent is sick and on their deathbed, should you still be thinking about sex? <laughs> you man. Whether you should or not, you're going to be. <laughs> That's right. That's I right. mean, it's, and, and I say that because it's kind of hard to have sex with your wife when she's not here. And I don't, you know, I don't know about you. You guys have your own personal preferences, but I don't do Skype sex or, you know, sexting too much. Uh, give me the real thing. Uh, I'm not into that technology-based. Uh, I need the real thing. So, but, I mean, what do you all think about that? I mean, do you think that you should still be thinking about sex and your wife, you know, is visiting her mom and doesn't know how many hours or days or weeks that she has left on, on this side, should you still be thinking about sex? Yes, sir. You're going to be. Yeah, that's, that's I, no doubt. That's how God made I, us. No, no, I don't agree with that. You can't <laughs> stop yourself from thinking about something. You can't, I, yeah, I don't agree with that. I, think I don't you, agree with that. Don't you mean, but, when, but when you say are you thinking about it, you may be thinking about it, but I think what the bug is asking is what, what type of actions do you exhibit towards your wife during that time? So your, I'm sure your wife knows you may be thinking about it, but hopefully you're not making it, you know, top of mind while she's trying to deal with, you know, what's going on with moms or dad. I think that's what we – I think that's what the brother's trying to establish. Exactly. Yeah. In other words, you're not telling her you need to come down back home and, and give me a, a piece of snatch. <laughs> <laughs> Like, when are you coming home? What time will you be back? All right. We, you need right. to be ready. Get your mind right. Get focused. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I know that, you know, and thankfully she's on the road to recovery, so I know that mom's doing okay, so you need to get focused when you get back in the house. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think the key is we've got to be sensitive to where they are. But, you know, also – um, we got to also understand that, that our spouse has needs, whether it be either way. I, I believe, because, um, and I hate, well, I ain't going to say I hate using the Bible, but I, I'm, I'm going to say I would, I have to go, go back to the belief. I got to, I got to go back to the, to the belief of why I'm feeling this way. During a time like this, why am I still so horny? Uh, and I have to go back to the belief system and go, in, go into there and, and seek out what's wrong with me, if, it, if anything. And then it says, you know, hey, doing it for a certain period of time, you know, don't even fast for too long. Just make it a shorter time, under seven days, and so, so the devil won't get in there. So that lets me know. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. What was that? Wait, I'm it's sorry. Called, <laughs> it, it's called shallow, my brother. That's what it's called. It's not called let's let, let's go back and see what God says about it. No. There's certain times where you have to say it's not about me and my flesh if you want to take it there. And I don't think that those times are about you and your flesh. It's about how can I be supportive and put that on the back burner. And I think that would be the challenge. Also, okay, but some when seven days. Well, when, it, when, is a, when is a time? There is now, no time. Oh, there no, is no time. You, the reason why you, I say there I is no time. Well, well, flip it, flip it. Okay. Let's say you are you you're dealing with some erectile dysfunction, <laughs> right? And what would you expect her to do? Well, that's a health if issue. You haven't found different. a way. Health issue. That's a that's We're a health, health issue. issue. No, no, no. The, this, the, this, other, this, the, the other is a mental health issue. 
I mean, if somebody, if you got a wife who got a, I think what the, what I just heard, you got a wife who's dealing with something, and you, and you, I mean, I think as a man, you got to find some other ways to, uh, to, to, to make sure, make yourself okay. But you, you can't be put, you can't put putting your wife through that kind of stress where she got issues. And you trying to come in there talking about what she got to do with her wifely duties? I guess I yeah. yeah I, 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 no, it, what he's trying to do he's is relieve some stress at that point, you know. Nah, but man. but we're talking about we're talking about a matter of months here, fellas. You can't you can't put a time on it, You can't put a time on it, brother. You can't put a time on it. That's that worst. That's that worst right there. That's that worst, man. You can't side up and be like, yeah, I understand. Your mom might be dying, and you stressed out about it. But I, I got needs too, because that's, cause that's what I'm saying. I got needs too. I, I, I got you. I, I understand what you're saying, but when you're in that situation and you're stressing out with these kids, three, four, five, six kids all day, and you gotta, and you gotta work and do outside activities, recitals, and all this other stuff, and then you come home and and she are, she been gone for six months, pretty much back and forth. And you've been holding it down, dude. You got You have to at least communicate that. Hey, babe, look, can you find some time to hook me up? I mean, you gotta, you gotta communicate at some time that because you don't want nothing. You don't want to be thinking about nothing else. So you don't want nobody to buy you a cough, coffee and you about to blow I can't believe you're saying this. I can't I'm just telling you, bro, that I'm you're saying real. this out loud on a recorded. <laughs> I am being real. I mean, you can sugarcoat it. you're backing it up, backing it up, saying you're being real. I can't believe you just. Is it just I'm me, sorry, guys? Don't... Huh? Is it just me? I'm shocked. I'm totally shocked. I'm shocked. I can't believe you told me, bro. Like I think I'm, I think I'm being pumped. I really do feel like I'm being pumped. <laughs> I do think so. I think I'm being pumped too. I'm I think telling you, hey, 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 I, I apologize for the way y'all feel. I'm just letting you know <laughs> that when, when, when a communication, you have to communicate how you feel, even if it seems like it's at the worst. You have to communicate that so you can no. engage a conversation with your wife, and she can, and then at that point, she can really let you know how you feel, and so you can kind of drive back and say, okay, maybe I was selfish. But you have to have that conversation. If you don't have that conversation, you know it's gonna, it's gonna, it may rub off into something else. And I'm speaking dude, from it's gonna burn you up, and you dude, do have dude. to have that conversation. Dude, you do. Dude. You have to hey. understand where you're going. Help him out. Just... Somebody help him out, man. He crashing right now. I, I'm gonna cool with him. You know, I mean, I you gotta have to say, hey, honey, I understand what's going on, and, and, and I'm there for you. But it's been six months, and you know, I need some That's damn all I'm nothing. Saying. Right. I mean, not like not like that. That I mean, you see, my wife, me and my wife was in a situation, and her and she wanted me to communicate what I was really feeling to her, and that what was wrong. That's what was wrong with me. And then once I could open my communication to her, it was better. Even though I still didn't get any, it was better because I understood what she was going through. Because then she takes her eyes when 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 you're you're going through that. It's your parent or whatever. All you can focus on is, is what's going on, and you forget, oh, my goodness, I have other responsibilities. I have family. I have a husband, a wife, kids. You know, and if you bring it to their, their attention, now they're thinking, well, you know what, I, I understand that. And, right. and sometimes we can get so single-minded, we forget about that, and the person that's left there, I mean, you know, six months is a long time not getting a damn nookie. Well, wait a minute, you know, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're talking about, months. no, no, it was not, not six months, it's been about. 
the, the this ordeal is uh, I think it's it's just over a month. But you said something about bringing it to her attention, and I want to flip that I question think you do to, need to be able to have yeah, a relationship. Well, what, yeah, wait, wait a minute, say, honey. Wait, 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 wait. Because what I, you know, the question I want to ask is simply, should she still be thinking about sex? You know, because she may or she has, may not be. You know, she may be. She may know in the back of her mind. She may think, you know what? We haven't been together in a while. I know he's struggling. Mm-hmm. No, and I she believe may be so wrapped up in her parent that she's like, all I can think is I got to get there. I got to get there. I got to get there, and nothing else. You know, the kids, the husband, the job, nothing else comes into her mind except getting there. My, you know so, what? From my from so, my personal experience, when when I had told my wife what was going on inside of me. She had no idea how much time had went by, and it kind of, you know, wow, wait a minute. It's been that long, or it's been this way, or it's been that I did not realize. Baby, I'm sorry. I did not mm. know that that it had been so many weeks. Mm. I didn't know how much pressure was on you because all I was doing was thinking about myself. Now, I didn't throw no guilt trip on her. I didn't throw no guilt trip on her, but she was like, I didn't even, I wasn't even thinking about that. I can't believe you're still going at it, man. I can't believe you're you still happened, going man. at it, man. I'm telling you the communication lines. So hold, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me just okay. say this to you. All right. And he already played the clips. Everybody knows that your wife had breast cancer. Right. And, the, and, and what you're talking about is while she was dealing with her breast cancer, all the decisions that have to be made, all the changes that have to be made with her, for the, uh, something that she's never been through ever before. Right, and what the conversation that y'all were supposed to have is, I understand that you're going through your breast cancer, but at the end of the day, we haven't had sex in months. No, no, no. it wasn't the, what I was uh, bringing to her attention. It wasn't about sex. It was about something else. It wasn't about sex, though. Cause Don't I was back up now, know. brother. Don't back up off, off it now. No, no, no. no. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. I, now, it, there was a conversation, but it wasn't. It wasn't the main. It wasn't. It was a, a lot, a plethora of other things that that I had to discuss with her because she told me on the show that she said, "Let me know what you are feeling," because I wasn't talking. Because I, I was talking about thinking, sex right now. We talk okay, about let's sex talk about this. Okay, let's, so don't talk let's just keep it. Okay, if you want to keep it on that thing. subject, that was one of the subjects um, that I had brought up. I was like, I'm concerned about this. I feel like a nursemaid. I feel this way. I feel that way. And then I'm wondering, I'm not putting no pressure on you, but I'm wondering, dang, you know, I might can't ever have sex with my wife no more because I ain't never been through this either. You know, mm, ain't nothing wow. wrong with down there. But I don't know. Mm. I mean, she wanted to wow. hear what my she wanted to hear what I was thinking. So I told her everything I was thinking. I t- Which is funny because, and you did, and it was unfiltered with no bedside manner, and all she could do is say, okay, I, I asked you, and now you told me, so now i got to be a big girl and accept it. No, Pretty no, much. that's not what she said on, that's not what she said on the sex thing. She was like, she, when she was answering certain questions, she was like, certain things, it was like, wow, I didn't, I didn't know I was neglecting that or didn't pay anything, any attention to that because, you know, we also have our grandson that has several palsy that live with us. So it was a lot of his stuff put on me that, you know, that was supposed to be hers, but I wasn't, I was working all night and then I had to all day deal with him and then come at work all night again and I was not even getting any sleep, but I wasn't complaining about it. But on top of that, 
I wouldn't get no no sex. And I didn't even know when I was going to get some, and I wasn't sweating it. But I'm like, it is going to be a time looking at my watch. You know, it is going to be a time when I'm going to probably want some, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. So, but it was a conversation, because she said, you know, I don't know when that's going to be either, you know, so don't please don't put me under that pressure. I said, I'm not. I'm just letting you know. You asked me what was on my mind, and I was telling you what was on my mind. And, and she so, said, I appreciate it. So, 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 now, I believe so, my wife would, would want the conversation um, because we went through, when my, when my wife and I got married, about six months in, she got very, very ill. Uh, and she was in the hospital for a long time. We thought we were going to lose her. Um, but, you know, as time went by, you know, she would, she would say to me, you know, come on, let's sit. And I was like, I don't, you know, you're sick. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to put this on you. You know, I mean, that's the last thing I'm thinking when you're so sick. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But she's trying to think about me. I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm okay. I'm all right, you know. Uh, but I really think the conversation needs to be had. Okay, this is what I'm going through. You know, and 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 hey, I'm not trying to put any pressure on you, you know. But you know, I at least my wife would 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 appreciate me talking to her and letting her know what I was dealing with, because when your wife is sick, I mean, she's going through, but you're going through hell too. Right. That's right. That's right. You know, I, I was living at the hospital. You know, I mean, literally sleeping in the chair next to her. You know, making sure she was still breathing. You know, and 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 the one that's sick, you know, is going through. But man, I mean, you are going through all kind of stuff too. Mm. And it was no, it was no, it wasn't. A, uh, I don't believe it was a greed thing behind it. And I, because I told her, I felt greedy. You know, that's why I didn't like in my complaining. What do I have to complain for? And look what you're going through. I expressed and explained all of that to her because I was, I just felt that. You know, I shouldn't be laying nothing else on her because she needs to concentrate on healing. And that kind of shut me down, but it it would, it did display or show up in other places where it shouldn't have, you know, because I was just holding it in. I got you. So what if, what if through all that, now, and here's just a question, what if you have this conversation while she's going through chemo or whatever she's going through, and you express the fact that you know while she's dealing with the this 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 tragedy because that's what cancer is a tragedy you know yeah, yeah um um you know that you were being sexually neglected no that would or or well let's not use that word let's just let's not use the the neglected word that you were just concerning about when your sex life was going to be active again. No, I'm not. I'm not that cold. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Do that. <laughs> I mean, but I, I, I am. I am blunt and upfront, and she knows that, and she asked for that, so I gave it to her. But I, I do. I mean, I'm not going to ask her at a time. But you gave that. But you gave. No, no. I, I well, when she asked for it that night, that morning, uh, she she was waiting on me to pour my heart out, and I did. You know, but um, but during the time that she's going through one of these, I mean, she's not. Thank God, she's don't have to go through chemo and everything, and they caught it in time. But she was, um, she was very. She, she accepted everything I said because it was on my mind. It was on my heart to tell her, and then she told me what was on her mind, and that's why she couldn't um, do certain. Uh, she couldn't cope with certain things, or she couldn't think about certain things because death was on her mind. 
And once sure. you once, once you hear something trumps what you're thinking about, you really that conversation allows you to back up and be like, wow, I, okay, I, I need to really think about what I'm doing and what I'm saying because this woman got a whole lot more heavier things on her mind than I do sure, with, sure, my, sure. With, my, with my penis, you know. And I'm glad that you're there. I'm glad that you're at the end. And I want you to stay right there where you're at, at that place. So imagine after that conversation that you had with her, the next night she actually takes one for the team. How would you feel after that? She says, well, you know, it's my wifely duty. And even though I feel like crap, I'm going to go ahead and give him some. I would not allow that. I know that's I what he wants. How would you feel about that? I would not allow it to happen because now I have to, at that point, after she done told me that the night before, I have to, as a husband, as a concerned husband, be like, no, I am more concerned about what you are concerned about now. Right. And then and then it would be greatly appreciated a couple of months when she feels like doing something. But I, So I wouldn't right. take advantage of that opportunity. All right, I'm going to let you all Exactly. Can I, can I make a comment here? That's B, that's a bunch of BS. I know. If you got some pussy in front of your face, hey, we gotta you're going to take it down. Keep it clean, man. Oh, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. If I had an opportunity to link with my wife, even though she just told me 24 hours, less than 24 hours before that she was hurting and she's still hurting, and I know she's taking one for the team like the question was, I would not, you know, make just to take. I wouldn't let her take that one. I would not. Me. That's, that's exactly right. And I, I've been there. And 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 you you are not going to do that. You're going to say no, no, it doesn't. And and even if and if my wife has been no, no. I'm like no. I mean, you know, I know where you're at. No. Right. There you go. What if she got on top? Oh, oh. Make a difference. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if she got on top, and and if she felt, and you can see it in her face that she's in pain, you would be, you would be a cold blooded dude to continue. <laughs> yeah, hold on, somebody. Else. I think somebody had a question. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, hold on. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. It, it was it wasn't really a question, but it, but it was a comment, and uh, and this is just another way of uh, of seeing. Uh, what the brother is saying, I know. I know we. He just was converted over to the better side of being empathetic, but this is just another. <laughs> this is just another way of, uh, of of seeing his point. And 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 just just hear me out here, brothers. Mo- most of us, most brothers, I mean, who have not uh, had a wife who has been um, ill for an extended period of time, the closest we come to being like a caregiver or abstaining from sex is the three to six weeks after a kid is born and we're waiting for the stitches to come out, okay? that That's really the closest we come unless, unless your spouse has really had, you know, a terminal, you know, not terminal, but a, a really debilitating illness. I say all that to say that when it is that, you know, your spouse does get sick, uh, it's, it's, it's almost, I need you to see it this way, it's almost as if when when it is that the man can't, be intimate with his wife it's almost like a funeral or a death happens uh it, in other words depending on the length of time that this brother has to abstain it is for whatever period of time the death of physical intimacy in the relationship are you following me so far mm-hmm. yeah. and so and so the reason i say it's a death is because when you think about death or anybody that you lost 
there is a selfish side to those who are survived after the deceased has gone on. In other words, the selfish side of us says, no, they shouldn't have gone. I want them to still be here. I, I, I want them to be around. And so the same thing happens as it relates to the death of physical intimacy. We're selfish because we still want that, even though our spouse is in this situation to where they physically can't or it might be painful. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so, it's, and, and so I only say that to say, and, of course, death, I mean, you know, grief has stages. So you are selfish in a season until you kind of come to that empathetic place. And that may take right. a while. That may right. take a while. So for the first three months, you are kind of selfish. Like, she needs to be giving it up. Right, right. You and know, that's all I, mean, I was saying. I, I'm not saying Yeah, I that. mean, you know, it, it's, a selfish, it's a selfish part to, to the grieving process. And so when you lose that, you are selfish for a while until you – you know, get converted by these brothers on the call. But I'm just saying, you know, you you you, you kind of want that, even you know, despite the circumstances that are surrounding it. Yeah, because initially, you're right. Initially, you 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 want things to remain under routine because that's right. what you're used to. And then once you feel it, once you have a conversation with your wife, you realize that hey, this is cold. You know, I'm a cold dude. Right, 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 right. But it takes a little bit of time, I mean, but the initial response to, you know, and again, I mean, it might be some brothers who are tenderhearted from the onset, and that's okay, but I'm just saying you get a pass from me, bro. I, I understand. No, okay, great. Thanks, bro. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's good words. <laughs> but what about... Okay. Can I make a quick comment? Go ahead, brother. Uh, you know, conversations like this um, make those wedding vows really real, you know, for better or for worse. Absolutely. For poor, forsaken all others. Um, you know, because this is what we sign up for, and this is why it's not um, necessarily a good thing to run into marriage because I hear we talking about wives and stuff like that. But this can happen, and this is what mm-hmm. we signed up for. In the marriage relationship. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And and one of the hardest challenges of marriage is being a caregiver for a spouse that's ill. A lot of times it doesn't happen until later in life, you know, when, you know, couples are seasoned in their 50s, 60s. But sometimes it can happen when you're in your 30s, and it, it can it, be it hard. Happens in, it happens in all stages. Like, we, we may want to think about it happening later. But right. I've experienced it and seen it firsthand. It happened very early in marriages, and mm-hmm. it's it's a tough one. But it can make a break. Saying. It can make a break. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's good words, fellas. And speaking of make a break, what about the money? You know, getting back on the, the sickly parent here. Um, you know, my wife is spending a lot of money eating out gas, tolls, buying little things here and there. Um, honestly, I I haven't even looked at how much money we spent last month. It was probably close to a million dollars. Maybe a little <laughs> shy of that. But right. it feels is it, like is it, it, it does. And but it, fellas, is it really going to make a difference if I look at how much money we're spending? No, no, and I don't think now's the time to even talk about it, um, you know, and I think that that's where it comes into 
your position, and she's looking for you to be supportive financially and emotionally and all those other areas, you know, and you say, honey, don't, you know, whatever you need, do what you got to do. I got you. Yeah, and that's pretty much. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, brother. No, I just was going to add to, the, add to what, uh, what he just said and say that you also, for the brothers on this call, kind of uh, send a message that we may need to be proactive in our planning and our preparation because in the event that, you know, parents get ill and they are far away, that's a cost that some of us brothers who, you know, who have not incurred it yet may have to one day incur. So, you know, that needs to be a part of your planning. Yeah, because, I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, I'm not going to put my wife on a tight budget. You know, her mom is, is you know, was at, at one point gravely ill. And, you know, I mean, just like the brother said, I was just like, do what you got to do. And I remember, you know, one time she, had, you know, she had went down there initially and had planned on, you know, coming back home, but she kind of ran out of clothes. And I was like, go to the mall, you know, and I didn't check behind her and go to the credit card statement and, you know, say, well, you spent this much at Macy's. What what kind of jeans did you need? You know, I, I didn't even I didn't even look at it. I was just like, honey, do what you need. Do what you need to do. You need to go get groceries for the family. You need to, you know, go to the laundromat. Whatever you need to do, do what you need to do. So that part, you know, like you said, it was. I mean, she was at liberty, and, and thankfully, you know, if I if I were to run out of money, um, I, I do have some lines of credit that I can pull on or pull from you know, to, to, to help me out or, or get us over the hump temporarily. But, you know, it, thankfully, you know, we're at a position where, you know, financially where I'm just like, you know, do what you got to do. We'll, we'll figure it out on the back end. But I think – go ahead. Yeah, I guess it depends on oh, – sorry. Go ahead, dude. No, I was just going to say, I guess it just depends. I, I, I guess I agree with that last one because I guess it depends on your intended outcome. Because, uh, you know, if you look at that type of situation and you say, okay – you know, my wife is dealing with these kind of things. I'm looking at, you know, money statements, et cetera. You know, what, you know, to bring that up to her at that time, you know, you, you run the risk of the reaction that you get from her. And I think as someone mentioned before, uh, not coming off as being supportive of what she's going through. So, you know, I think it really is one of those things as a husband where you got to take a step back and kind of realize, you know, no matter what the answer you get, you know, what, you know, what, is that going to be beneficial to your family and to your relationship long term? And in many cases, I would think that the answer would be would be no. You just kind of eat it, let her do what she needs to do, and, uh, you know, you try to make it all work out in the end. Yeah, and it's funny yeah. you say that, brother, because uh, early in our marriage, and I've been married almost 15 years, but early in our marriage, um, I was very tight with the purse strings, um, you know, so much so. I mean, it caused a lot of strife in our in the early part of our marriage, and, you know, she needed something. And I work at a bank, and these were before the days of uh, debit cards and that sort of thing, so if she needed some, you know, some little cash or something, you know, she, I would get it and bring it home. And But, you know, a lot of times... I would question her and, and quiz her, like, what do you need money for? You know, you don't need that. You know, and and so, you know, it's funny you say that because early in my marriage, I've been down that road, and thankfully, you know, I've, I learned some life lessons then where now I can apply where I'm not even, it's like, whatever you want to do, honey, not a problem. You know, whereas before, you know, I would have been like, hey, you know, we might need to watch your trips. Go ahead. So, and, you know, this is not like she's hanging out in Miami on vacation just, just get, getting buck wild with the cash. She doesn't Correct. want to be in this situation any more than you do. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. but, but 
learning from this experience that you're going through right now, are you going to change the way that you manage your finances in your house? Are you going to are you are you going to go back to, honey, you know, whatever it is that you need to do, go ahead and take care of your business. I trust that you will make the right decisions, and I'm not going to watch the dollar, even though the yeah, mother's well, not sick any longer? Yeah, I already kind of transitioned to that, and thankfully I don't have a wife that beats up the mall every weekend. So if anybody spends money around here, it's me. So I just got to watch my spending. But, gotcha. you know, she's not one to – you know, be, you know, out with the girls or going on trips or going to the mall or buying new shoes or ordering purses, you know, that's just not her thing. So I don't really have to, you know, mind her about the finances. I just have to worry about myself. But, you know, to your question, you know, over the years I have gotten gotten a lot more relaxed, you know, with what she spends and because she really doesn't, she doesn't abuse it. She's not egregious, you know, at all. So, and I appreciate that. You know, I'm the one that really, you know, I can, I can spend some money now. You know, I can really do that. I, you know, I've got championships and trophies upstairs. Um, but, you know, just, just, just along those same lines, you know, what about the hospital bills? You know, if in this situation, if your parents or wife parents, uh, your wife's parents don't have a lot of money or enough insurance, health insurance to cover the costs, would you help pay the bills or would you just leave them hanging if there was some overdue or some, a balance? You know, when she does get released from the hospital and there's a, a hefty balance, they don't have enough insurance, doesn't cover it, they don't have enough savings to cover it, um, would you help or would you just leave them, leave them hanging? Can I chime in on that, Rodney? Yes, sir. Go ahead. Yeah, um, Several years ago, my mom, my wife's mom was going through a lot of financial situations. And I asked my wife, well, what do you feel we need to do? And she said, well, I feel we need to do this. I said, well, whatever you feel, that's what we'll do. Um, and, and we did that. And um, today we're going through some situations where I made some decisions that my wife didn't, didn't feel I should make. And had to do with my parents and housing and things like that. And hasn't turned out the way I felt it should, and it's cost us, like, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. And her response is exactly the response I had with her mom. You know, we need to do what you feel we need to do. And I think that when it comes to your parents, you know, it really needs to be, you, you gotta you got to let her do what she's got to do if you can afford to do it, you know. Uh, because if not, you know, we talked about it before, you become the bad guy, mm-hmm. you know, and you really, you really need to let her do what she feels in her heart she needs to do, because if not, you're going to be the one that she resents over it. Mm. Well, when you go over the finances together and you say, okay, I'm really trying to make it to where we won't break the bank at home, but trying to satisfy a need that, that, that also needs to be satisfied, it needs to come to a, to the table and say, you know, you can't just say, okay, let's just blow our pockets and, and sacrifice the family. We can always make that back as long as your, your, your parents' medical bills are taken care of. It can't be a, a decision that way either. It really has to be, okay, this is what we can compromise and try to maybe we can pull out a second mortgage and just pay it all off because we can afford to pay that monthly bill. 
or maybe we can ask everybody to pitch in so we can all pay it off. Uh, or maybe we, uh, you know, any, anything that you can compromise with, it just don't need to be a decision made to say, hey, my parents can't afford it and we need to pay it. It doesn't need to be that either. Right. Whatever it is, it need, especially if you got other brothers and sisters that that's supposed to be sure. able to help you out. It's a shared responsibility. Right, especially if they're heavy bills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I, I guess I want to drop a monkey wrench here. Um, thank God, you know, my mother-in-law is on the road to recovery. Um, but this is a kind of difficult question to ask. In this situation, would it actually be better if the parent dies rather than being sick for an extended period of time? But it depends on who makes that recommendation. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's a that's a tough that's a tough one. To, that's a tough one there, brother. No, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't think that that's the the better scenario because um, you know, again, I think I guess it's like the argument from earlier. If you reverse it and now you start talking about my mama or my dad, like you know that. Yeah. Yeah. I, no. I think you know I you know we're we're family you know my my wife's family is my family so that's my mother and you know um I you know I, I and as somebody who lost a father last year you know my father had a stroke and he was uh you know debilitated for about four months before he died and he was even it was unexpected then and you know at the time I remember even kind of thinking myself like you know man it's like my dad's already gone but when you lose that parent you realize that that's that's really gone. You know, even if you could just go in and, you know, kiss him on his forehead and he's sitting there, even if he don't know, um, that's better than the alternative when you can't see him at all. So, yeah, I, I, yeah I, I'd rather I'd rather ride it out as a family, uh, take the bill, take the hit, um, and, you know, um, yeah, I'd rather ride that out. Yeah, and, brother, you know. I, I, um, think, I think you would only bring up that conversation if it was your parent. Uh, from lived experience, I know when my father was battling cancer, I was praying that he would go on home. And when my wife's mother was ill, I would have never said that because, as brother just said, right. you, that that's not a good conversation to have. It depends on, in, in my opinion, it depends on what the condition is. I would ask, like, um, uh, like when my when my stepmother was um was on her her deathbed. Uh, they ask, you know, what should we do? And I'm like, well, what would be her state if they left her on um, uh, the uh, breathing machine and what's her chance of recovering and having 100% of her, you know, thought patterns and mobi- mobilities and all of those other things? Would somebody have to live with her? And who would be that person to live with her, you know, 80, 85% of the time? Who's going to be her ter- caretaker? And and this is a conversation as well that you can't just say, hey, you know, I think you go ahead and pull the plug. It needs to be all things considered, and, and, and it needs to be pre-planned on whether or not, because that bill continues to go as that life support system continues to beep. And somebody going to have to take the responsibility or stop their job or have her to move in with them. I mean, a whole lot of things got to be thought about when making a decision that's that that's hard, you know, and it is hard, but it, you, it has to be a, a careful decision that's made, and it has to be some people that's going to stay in there and say, hey, I got it, and if they say, they raise their hand and say, I got it, 
I got the responsibility. I got, I'm going to take care of all her affairs. I'm going to cook for her every day. I'm going to bathe her every day. Even though she's going to be 50% functional, she ain't going to be able to walk and all these other things. Okay, that person better have it. Mm. I, you know, in, in addition to what my brother just said, uh, one of the things that I'll share with you is that, um, you know, it's, it's definitely a delicate piece, uh, something that needs to be uh, prayerfully and carefully considered by the family. Um, but one of the things that happens, you know, nowadays with a lot of hospitals is that, you know, they they only they only are going to do so much. Um, you know, there was a time, you know, where in medicine where they would, you know, revive a person, you know, eight or nine times, you know. But, you know, they they, they kind of, even the hospitals and how they advise um, families now is different. And so, again, it's something that, that has to be strongly uh, considered as it relates to all options because, right. you know, the doctors will come now and say, listen, you know, they they will say, you know, I understand that this is your loved one, but at this point, you know, he, he, here's what we're doing. You know, every time we bring them back or whatever the case may be, I mean, they're going to put it in, you know, medical terms, but also kind of, you know, layman's term to let you know this is what, you know, this is what your loved one is going through. So, you know, do you all want to continue this process or down right. this road? You know what I mean? So I just, again, I just think it's it's, Times have changed as well, even in how they do medicine. You know, before it was, it's almost now inhumane as it relates to reviving somebody beyond five or six times. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Uh, As it relates to the treatment of the patient now. And so even medical professionals have to consider that, and they won't go beyond a certain point, even though the family may want to hold on. You know, it's just, you know, and they'll tell you, hey, look, it's inhumane at this point. We 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 know that we're 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 doing more harm than good. And remember, their their oath is to do no harm. And, so, and right. what's even more something important to than that? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I was just I'm done. Just something to consider. Okay. What's more, and what the conversation that we had that was more even important than that was the doctors brought us in this room, and they told us her current state, and they told us the state of her insurance. Oh, they had. will. Yeah, they will. Yeah, they will do that now. So they start talking about money, like, "Hey, she's Dollar running out, and who's going to take care of this if we keep her on this life support?" So right. I'm like, and and you would think that, man. I mean, I'm holding my chest, like, I can't believe you bringing this money issue up in front of all these crying people. But they have to consider their ends too. So it, it don't you can't look at it like, "Well, man, it shouldn't be a money thing," but it is. Hmm. Yeah. And not, and not to get and not to get super technical, but but to my man's point is that you know, and it's something for all of us to look at is that you know your insurance policies now uh, have on there a maximum amount. That's like you know, right. if you look That's at your right. if you look at your policy closely, it says they only gonna spend a hundred grand. You That's know, right. it, it says they only gonna spend two hundred grand, and then that's it. You know, so I mean, not to you know, I mean, they do come in talking those numbers because your policy says that. And in a hospital, depending on what the condition is, those costs go up very quickly. Exactly. You know, where you wouldn't think, oh, my God, we spent $100,000 trying to keep you here. But those costs, I mean, 
the ventilator machine in and of itself, man, can be in the upwards of tens of thousand dollars just to have that machine, not including the other things. I mean, you hate to break it down to dollars and cents, but the re- but it is a part of that reality that we got to deal with. And once you hear that break your bank, once once it hits your pocket, you're gonna be like, you know what, pull the plug. This is too much. I mean, you're not gonna want to be like that. But at, at the same time, once that reality your, your conversation in, make changes. Oh, yeah, your conversation changes. Yeah, mm-hmm. conversation changes. There's no doubt about it. Yes, sir. And to the brother that, you know, lost his father last year, um, are you still there? On time, I was on mute. Yes, I'm still here. Yep. Um, I, and, and as I stated earlier, brother, um, I, you know, my parents today are, are healthy. Um, but, but how was that experience? Um, would you mind sharing, like, how, how, how that whole experience going through the – the burial process and you know, the funeral arrangements and that sort of thing. How, how was that? I mean, uh, candidly, I mean, it was it was terrible. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I, it's been six months, and I probably, uh, I think I'm starting to realize that I'm not over it the way I thought I, I would be. I mean, um, you know, like I said, my father had onset dementia. You know, I was making arrangements. He was in Michigan. I live in California. And I was making arrangements to uh, find a home for him, uh, found a home, and, you know, I'm off recruiting, and then I get the call, and my, my father passed away. And so, you know, when, you know, I, I think, you know, the piece that I, I guess I'll share that relates to this, you know, we're talking about, you know, you guys have been talking about relationship building and relationships crumbling, you know, based off of this. And, you know, I, I'm just so thankful, you know, for my wife. And my, my wife is one of those kind of people when it comes to family. You know, there is no, there's no money limit. Uh, there is no, you know, there's no limit to what she would do. So she was looking to take off work to go back to Michigan to, you know, support him when he was sick and then, you know, even after he passed away. So, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just one of those things you start talking about relationships is really just about, you know, what, what what's important. And I, I think for most of us, we always, we all have kind of the two or three things in our relationship that's the most important to us. And I think as long as you kind of keep that, you know, first, and hopefully you married the right person, you know, you can kind of work through those things. But it was a, it was definitely a challenge. And, you know, as my mother-in-law starts to struggle with some things, it helps me from the perspective, the type of husband I need to be, uh, that I need to be for my wife. So. Mm. That's good. Thank you for sharing, brother. And, um, and, and, and as far as funeral calls, you know, we're talking a little bit about money. Um, how, how would a, how much, how much was the funeral? If you don't mind sharing, I mean, was that, more expensive than you thought or, or right in line with what you were thinking? Yeah, I had never done that before, man, and I was shocked, man. But, you know, uh, I, I think uh, when I looked at it, like the, you know, it was interesting when you go, you know, you, it's time for the funeral, blah, blah, blah. You know, they, you know, they want to, you know, they want to, you know, get their money over a longer period of time. When it comes to the burial, they was like, hey, we want our cash today. They was like, don't show up with that, with that casket without that today. I mean, and so, you know, my father was a frugal man, and so, you know, I was trying to be, you know, respectful of that. But, I mean, I think all in all, I think it cost about, it cost me about, probably about 15000 uh to bury him, and it wasn't, I don't, I wasn't really um, trying to be excessive, man. I mean, you know, uh, so um, it was, uh, it was up there. I mean, um, it was, it was up there. I didn't get any relatives. Mm. Wow. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, I, I don't know if this, I mean, I'm just sharing, you know, with the brother's experience. Um, everything everything associated with the funeral has a cost. Like, even the fact that the funeral home drives you to the funeral in that, you know, three-seat funeral limousine, 
from the funeral home to the church or wherever you decide, that's a cost associated with every yeah. aspect of it. Yeah, and that's the worst feeling in the world when you're trying to deal with the, the emotions of losing a parent or somebody you love and everybody around you is trying to get paid. I mean, I tell you, yeah. I think that's one of the, you know, I, I mean, I think that was the one of the worst things, uh, you know, yeah. for me, you know, having to deal with that with, you know, all these people. And, you know, um, you know, and, you know, I, it's just a very difficult thing to deal with when you're doing that. And so, I, you know, um, you know, I can't imagine what that would be like, you know, when you and your spouse is having to go through that and you're trying to be there to support that person emotionally, but then you still have the financial component. Like, it was easier for me. It was easier for it to be my father because I could deal with it myself. I can't imagine what that would be like when I'm trying to support my wife, but we got people pulling at us like that. I mean, that, that, that's why I, I don't look forward to that, to that day. Hmm. Yeah, 15 grand is a lot of money, and according to the National Funeral Funeral Directors Association, you know the average funeral is around nine thousand. I think that's a bit. I think that's a bit low. But um, you know, in nineteen sixty, fellas, the cost of a funeral was seven hundred dollars. So, uh, I don't know if any of you have nine, ten, fifteen grand just laying around to bury somebody, um, to put a loved one in the ground. And like you said, you know. He wasn't balling out of control, you know, with the funeral. Um, but, you know, speaking of money, staying on the topic of money, um, what if your wife's parent dies and doesn't have enough money or insurance to cover the funeral expenses? Do you, do you step in to, to foot the bill, you know, for that? Didn't you ask that question just now? Something like that. Yeah, in the case of a funeral, does the same thing oh, apply? Oh, I got you. Okay. Yeah, does the same parameters apply? You know, I as would far say as, so. I would say mm-hmm. the same yeah. parameters I think it does. apply. Yep. Okay. But if if your parents or your wife's parents are still living today, have you sat down with them and talked? about funeral arrangements, where their assets are, where the important documents are, et cetera, et cetera. Can I ask a question before you get to that? Go ahead. And then we'll lead into that. Um, Okay. I've got some close friends that were in a position to move their parents into their house. Not really move their parents into the house, but actually build an addition onto the house um, for the parents to move in. And uh, the guy's father, I think he's, he's, he's in the beginning stages of dementia. And I think that's where you have the memory issues, right? Mm-hmm. That could be, and it's, it's, it's draining on, on him. And it's also probably equally draining on the wife. Okay, dealing with someone that, ought, that you know, will say something, the same thing t- 10 or 11 times in a row and forget, you know, forget a lot of things, you know. So, um, but how do you reassure, like let's just say it's you and your father, how do you continuously try to reassure your wife that that um, you, you appreciate her patience? Because she's got to be extremely patient you know, dealing with your parents that now have moved into her house. How do you continuously reassure your wife or or let her know 
that you don't want this to be a burden on her, even though you know that it is. I think I think that's a that's kind of a daily a daily affirmation that has to be made, man. I mean, that's not something you can you know just say one time and. You know, it's just like a daily conversation that's got to be had, even if it's just a thank you every night before y'all go to bed. I mean, it's got to be continuous. Yeah, because, you know, I could probably see if it were me, I would probably feel somewhat, I'm not going to say guilty, but I'm going to be like, man, I got to, you know what I mean? I'm putting this on her. And even though she didn't ask for it to be put on her, but it comes with the territory, you know, I'm just, you know, you're constantly worrying about how she's feeling, how she's dealing with it. You know, because it, be, it can be draining, I, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is something that could be a reality to a lot of us on the call. Our parents are going to get older. They're going to go through that, just like the brother just said his father dealt with it. You know what I'm saying? And we're going to go through it. And how are we going to prepare to, to, to comfort our spouses who are actually in turn trying to comfort us at the same time? And that's the whole point, you know, because whereas uh, there aren't too many conversations, you know, happening about this stuff, you know, as it relates to your marriage, you know, it just kind of hits people like a ton of bricks and they're unfortunately not prepared. And, you know, just tying back to the whole preparation piece, you know, the great example, but, you know, it, it, what about that conversation where you have with mom and dad, you know, if they're still on this side? about how they want their funeral arrangements, their their eulogy, where the assets are, important docs, you know, do you know where they are, you know, things like that. Have Has anybody sat down with their parents or the spouse's parents um, to talk about this stuff? No? I have. Okay. Go ahead, brother. Yeah, I mean, how was it? I mean – I mean, it's the nature of what I do anyway on a daily basis. So, um, because I have obviously have clients that they die and pass, so I um, just utilize my my experience in in, in advising them and their families uh, financially, especially during the transition standpoint, uh, and talking to my parents about it. Um, and a lot of it came to a head when my dad, you know, he had his uh, his illness. And I kind of brought a lot of that ahead and just said, you know, what do you want to happen if this takes place, this, that, and the other? And so when you're talking about it without it being right in front of your face, so to speak, it's easier to digest, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Whereas when you're in the mix and you're trying to make decisions real time, whether it's keeping them on life support or if they already pass and everybody's arguing about what should or should not be at the funeral, how many flowers should we have, what kind of casket, or do we go to a coffin, you know, do we be cremated? I mean, a lot of times when you're in those types of situations, you're going to make decisions based on an emotion. 
But I had my parents write everything down. We put it in the envelope. And next time we see that envelope, it's going to be, you know, when one of them is dead or both. So mm. when, you write it, when you write it down beforehand, it kind of takes that uh, emotional piece out of it. And then you just hand it, you just hand it over to the funeral director and like this, this, and this, because we want to happen. You know, fortunately, my parents, you know, they're pretty well off. So, you know, financially, I mean, it's not, you know, there are already funds allocated to deal with stuff like that. But I mean, if you if you're not sure what your parents' uh, financial structure is, uh, I would highly recommend like tomorrow talk to them about it because, you know, life is one of those things where there's no uh, no guarantees on when things are going to happen, so. Well, I, I just got insurance on all of them and don't, and they don't even know it, so. Um, yeah. And, and, it, and it's better, it, I might have to pay a heavier price, but it's worth it because you, we don't want to be, um, I was at a funeral in my family that, uh, that they were trying to collect money for the headstone at the funeral. And and I was like, I don't want to be in that position if something like that happened to my mom. And they didn't have enough money to bury her. They was going online asking Facebook, say, hey, mm. you know. And it was wow. just kind of ridiculous, you know, when it came to that. So I said, you know what? Let me go ahead and uh, go ahead and put life insurance on my parents now, so I can, even though they don't have to know, even though it's going to cost me a little bit of money, I don't want this to be my my family. I mean, they didn't. Everybody had to do a potluck just for food. I mean, you shouldn't have to be thinking about those things when you're trying to move. That's terrible. Yeah, and, I, That's and, I, and I've seen situations where, you know, uh, I've seen funerals where you can tell the casket's rented because the body's all squinched up in there. And, the mm-hmm. you know, the, cas- the casket look all worn out and whatnot, so. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Let me ask y'all something just along those lines. Do y'all think it's it's just a black thing for us not to have our financials together before Big Mama dies or before somebody dies? To not have this stuff where we're solicited on Facebook, we're you know making chicken dinners or you know whatever the case may be is. I mean, what what do y'all think? No, it's not. It's a it, it's just a mentality. It's I would say it's a class thing more so than a race thing. I mean, I think your your higher middle class that people are aware, they're going to have things, you know, in place. But, you know, poor people and working class people, uh, they live a more linear, they, they come from a more linear mentality. And so a lot of times they just deal with stuff as it comes. And the reality is that's how a lot of times their life is. Their life is, you know, being able to uh, go through one crisis to the next, and death is just one of those crises that they just say, you know, when it comes, we'll just skate by like we did everything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because like you said, I mean, death is part of life you know it's coming, you know, everybody, death is an appointment that we all have to keep. And, you know, my wife and I sat down and, and laid out all our financials and who should give the eulogy at our funerals and all of this stuff. 
But does anybody want to guess when we did that, what year it was? Knowing you, Rodney, you probably did it before you got married. Nope. Day after you, you married, sure? was married? <laughs> Two weeks after you got married? <laughs> honeymoon. <laughs> right after the honeymoon. Right after the honeymoon. Be like, we need to sit down and get this straight. But no, the the last time we really, you know, to, to Harry's point, we really sat down and laid out, you know, after death, you know, type stuff was 2007. 2007. So, and since then, we've added another child to the family. Um, and I don't even think he's on the beneficiaries where he's supposed to be. He might be on a couple here or there. But um, but during that time, we also sat down with both of our parents. But I tell you, it was kind of like pulling teeth. And this was a time when, you know, my parents, you know, thankfully they're still healthy. But, you know, my wife's parents were healthy at the time. But. You know, it it was like, you know, look, come on, let's have it. And we had something simple, you know, something I found online, you know, what my family should know. It's real basic. It's like a poor man's will. But it does help when they do, you know, pass on and you have some information because otherwise, you know, you're left. Well, I know she had a bank account over here, and I think she had a credit card over here where this document, this Word document, you know, has it all in one place. But again, you know, in in my case, you know, last time we did this was 2007 for us and, uh, you know, for both sets of parents. But have any of y'all ever done, um, have y'all ever sat down with your wife and done any uh, death planning at all or no? Uh-uh. No, I, I haven't done it because I'm from Atlanta and she's from here. And she she's already told me how uh, she wants to be buried on her. Uh, I think she even purchased a lot before me and her got, got married. Uh, and and I have no interest in bur- being buried in Maryland. I mean, it really doesn't matter. But you know I haven't talked to her about that because that's like a. I wouldn't want to say I want you being I want you to be buried by me, and I know that she's going to be she wants to be buried up here by her parents or her family plots that they already had. Um, uh, negotiated with a uh, funeral home, so uh, or or more. Or I don't know who they negotiated that with, but it's already pre-planned before I got in in her life. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm not gonna touch that, you know. Yeah, yeah. I said, don't have no funeral because I think a funeral a funeral is the most morbid activity that humans do. I just said, burn me up and go have a party. <laughs> hey, <laughs> that's, good. that's good. But I mean, it's something to think about, you know, fellow. I mean, you know, like like the brother said. I mean, you know, we don't know what tomorrow brings, and I know with going through this ordeal, and my wife, you know, running the figures past me, and my eyes are as big as saucers. Like, you know, what? And the thing about it is that we're not prepared, you know, and and. Again, I'm usually one of the most prepared, but, you know, I got three little kids and I'm busy. Um, But I need to get to it. I need to make it a priority. Um, But I want to talk about my father-in-law for a second. And, you know, my father-in-law, he's had to leave his wife in the hospital, and the hospital is two hours away from his home. And he also has a full-time job. 
which is about three hours away from the hospital. So sometimes, you know, he'll stay overnight with his wife and then get up at four in the morning just so he can make it to work on time. And, you know, my wife was expressing to me how he tries to stay as late as possible. He waits and by his wife's bedside uh, until she goes to sleep. And then, you know, he gets himself ready um, to retire so he can work the next morning. But what, a, what about the spouse that's not sick in the hospital? What do you all think about their needs? Have you, have you ever thought about them in this scenario? You know, my father-in-law still got to work. You know, he still got to, you know, pay bills. And his wife is two hours away from his home, three hours away from his job. I was going to say, I was going to ask you about that way earlier because, you know, I don't want my wife, if I'm in this situation, I wouldn't want my wife to be doing her mother's husband's responsibility more than him. And and sometimes, you know, here it, here it is, that, that selfish side of human beings. I would ask, well, I would want to know, well, dang, you seem like you're more down there than anybody else. I mean, don't you have like five and six brothers and sisters and who else is down there as much as you are? Uh, can you take a break and, you know, stay home with the family? Because you do have this, that, and the third. This, again, would be a not, not trying to be selfish conversation. But I would have to ask, you know, um, what is her husband doing, if anything? And and I really wouldn't, I, she probably wouldn't want to explain it to me because she would think that, you know, it, that doesn't matter what he does, that's my mother. But I would still want to know what's his position on how he feels about everything. And then I would probably try to soften the conversation by just saying, hey, does he need any help? Or why don't he stay up this way? Or have he took a leave of absence from work? Or is he taking many days off of work as you are? And I would want to know if it's a personal thing with just her or is is, is it an obligation because nobody else is doing it, including him? Mm. Yeah, and I'll tell you that they they kind of have worked it out where they kind of rotate, um, they kind of do shifts um, or as much as they can. But, you know, the thing is he wants to be there with his wife when he can. So even if she's there, can do some things, can make some phone calls, can talk to the nurses, can talk to the doctors, can get the reports, can relay the information. You know, she can do all those things, but he, he also wants that's, – that's his wife. Oh, he's so, not at retirement age? I thought he would be in a, at retirement age by now. but No, he still has a full-time job. So, you know, she's retired, but he still has a full-time job that he has to get to. And, you know, to your question, I mean, she um, – you know, she does, you know, just they, they kind of work together, and it's, um, it's it's an interesting situation, but a lot of times we don't think about, you know, that spouse that, you know, I'm I'm thinking about it from my perspective, you know, where my wife's gone, but at the same time my wife comes back and she's healthy. I don't have to visit my wife in a hospital or I have to leave her in a hospital or sleep in a recliner in a hospital, you know. She does come back, um so I think that a lot of times, unfortunately, you know, when we look at it from, from our standpoint, from our vantage point, that gets lost. You know, the spouse that's, that's not, you know, in that situation. And 
you know, I mean, for you, when, when when's the last time you had a date night with your wife? Uh, always. Always. So when was the last time? When was the last oh, time? Oh, last week. Oh, last week. Okay. Anybody else? When was the last time you had a date night with your wife? Yeah, last weekend. Last week? Okay. Y'all good. Yeah, we went two weeks ago right. to go see Bill Bellamy. Oh, nice. Y'all, y'all doing it up. Y'all doing it up. Um, when's the last time you think me and my wife had a date night? Probably since you had that third kid. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't been that long. <laughs> the marriage ministry, the the, the uh, marriage, uh, the marriage conference that we had in uh, Magiano's. You're close. You're okay. close. It was actually a week prior to that. Um, you know, and I'll count that too. But I mean, just the two of us with no kids, with nobody else, um, was probably about a couple months ago. Um, but actually, we did. Now I take that back. We did get get out. Um, this past Friday, but we did have our two-year-old. Our daughters were in dance. You know, they're getting ready for the recital, as I explained earlier. But so we did have our two-year-old, and he was with us, and we just went to the Outback Steakhouse. But you know, that's always fun because after he eats, he's like, "Okay, uh, I'm ready to go." You know, he wants to run around the restaurant. You know, he's a almost two-year-old. I can understand that. So. You know, fooling with him, and he's telling everybody hi in the next booth. You know, we I have to take him out, have my wife settle up, you know, on the bill, um, you know, since he wants to be with Daddy, as I explained earlier. Um, you know, so it's, it, it's, it's not a date night like you guys had, you know, going to the Bill Bellamy and, you know, just enjoying yourselves and don't have to worry about a, a, a two-year-old, you know, around you. But um, when's the but last night? Can I ask you one question, though? Yes, sir. What kind of um, effects or side effects or uh, depression states that um, that your wife go through? And the reason why I'm asking this question is because um, this thing is called when when after a woman have a baby, she goes through this period of of postpartum depression. But I, I found out postpartum depression. It's not only after you have a child. Uh, depression is is a is a disease, and you know uh, sometimes when a situation this close uh, to to your wife or to yourself, depression can set in, and you don't think about nothing else but whatever you're thinking about. Uh, do you are you any at, at all concerned about the hour and a half two hour trip that she have to take going back and forth, uh, lack of sleep, uh, dealing with children all day in school and dealing with children all day at home. Do you are you concerned about uh, her health at this time? You know, as she's going back and forth, uh, if like if her mom have a bad day at the hospital, and then she has to come home crying in tears and 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 up all night and tired. Or what what kind of concerns? do you have when those days happen? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'll say that, you know, my concern now is that, you know, she's, she's tired, you know, she's physically and mentally exhausted. And I'll say that it's better, you know, now that we've gotten over the, 
major surgery, and you know her mother is on is in rehabilitation right now after the procedures, and you know so we're on the path to recovery, so it's better now. But you know it. I guess I wasn't really worried about her. It's just those, um, you know, when she comes, like she came back this evening and I saw her and, you know, just just tired. And I don't know if any of you, you know, travel with your jobs. You know, I, I tend to do a little traveling, but, you know, the road is hard on you. You know, just traveling to and fro two hours is hard on you. But that's probably the piece that I worry about her the least because she listens to this show during her travels, which is highly entertaining. So at least it can take her focus off of other things and, you know, she can just kind of listen and, you know, sit back and enjoy the ride, you know, getting there, seeing her mother and and helping her with with things that she needs. I mean, it's physically and mentally draining, but, you know, I, 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 I was never, you know, really worried about, you know, as far as depression setting in or anything like that, but, just the fact that she's mentally and, and, and physically exhausted, um, I mean, it's tough, you know, and, it, and it's understandable. I mean, we're not bionic humans. I mean, we do have, I mean, we're made of flesh, and it, and it, and it happens. Well, the um, reason why I asked that, because a brother on the phone earlier, he said uh, that when his father died, here it is six months later, and he's still not over it like he thought he was. Now, uh I believe that, you know, since her mom has been, been you know, uh, healthy or getting better, that won't wear on her as heavy as it would if she wasn't getting any better. So yes. it's going to be a time when she goes down there. And like you said earlier, death is an appointment that we all must make. Uh, it's mandatory that we make. So whenever that comes, it's going to be a time where she has to travel back maybe by herself. And Mm -hmm. and, and it needs to be taken in consideration now of how is she going to take that because nobody's prepared. It's almost impossible to get prepared to never see a a person that raised you or a person that you came from. Uh, You can't get prepared for never seeing them again until, you know, you go on. And in the last month, there has been some moments where, and, I, and I've, told, I've shared with you about it, there have been some moments that we didn't know if her mother was going to make it. And, you know, just, you know, dealing with the emotions, you know, and, and you're not physically, we're, we're physically apart. And, you know, she calls me and, you know, in, in, in an emotional state, understandably, um, you know, it's it's been like a roller coaster of emotions because, you know, there have been moments where you know they it, they had to you know bring her back and do some you know revive her mother and you know um, I think that was the toughest because you don't know and that you know that was going back to you know my earlier point about would it be easier or would it be less stressful if the parent dies because there is some finality you know once you do the burial in the funeral home and everybody gets their check everybody eventually goes home and there's no more you know i gotta go see mama next week you know and again you know thankfully 
she's still here. She's recovering. We we, we thank God for that. Um, and that that kind of leads me into you know this. I, I guess it's a monkey wrench. Um, what I want to ask y'all, and it's again difficult question. A brother alluded to it earlier, but you know with his situation, what if there was a situation in which your wife's parent was really sick? and your wife believes that God is going to heal, but you believe that God is going to take them home. Now, I don't know about you fellas, but I, I know God is a healer because he healed me back in early 2000. I'm a living witness. You may, un, you can, you may can relate to that as well, but in this situation, I mean, should, should you tell your wife, you know, let God have his way, or should you just jump on board the faith train and desire healing and recovery along with the rest of the family? What should you do? Me, myself, I would just put my hands up and and not tell her what I believe. I would just allow her to continue to pray in her own way and continue to believe in her own belief. Uh, and not have an opinion one way or another. I, I would, as she's praying for the sick and the shut-in, I would be praying for her. Being that husband, you know, I, I have to pray for her because whether a decision is made on whether or not the, the, the you know, her parents died or her loved one is is going to die, you know, I still would want a uh, uh, swift recovery for her. Mm. Uh, during the time that she had uh, her breast cancer, she got a call that night from her sister saying that her niece was going to die because she had lupus. And I seen how much, what toll that had on her going through what she's going through and hearing, just hearing that her niece was going to die. I told everyone, do not call my wife right now. I don't care what's going on. Call me first. And I will be the judge of letting her know the news, if any, that reaches her ears. They didn't like me, but I was like, it's already. I'm already trying to deal with my wife's recovery. But now you, you're throwing an extra issue on top of the issues that we have by letting her think about something else. She's like, well, she would want to know if her niece is going to die. Yes, but I want my wife to heal, and I will tell her when I feel that she's ready. Uh, I don't know if that's fair or not, but that's the call I made after I saw her emotional breakdown. Mm-hmm. Two words. Anybody else? Yeah, I think, I think that's the that's the um, that's uh, responsibility is not really a word I want to uh, say, but. Um, you know, as husbands, you know, part of our positions as being the head of the household, we also have to, you know, protect the household as well. And that's one of the things where um, even protecting it to the point where we have to let people know um, in certain situations, or in all situations, but specifically what that is, you you know what your wife was going through. And they did. Only thing they saw was their selfish, um, almost way of trying to feel like they they needed to be the designated person to let your wife know about that tragedy. However, right. they need to respect your 
uh, position in the home to say, hey, you know, these are the things that are going on here. Let me be the one to govern how this is going to be disseminated uh, to my wife. So I think um, I applaud you for that, and I think, you know, um, the other husbands on the phone should, you know, really look at that particular uh, example of how to uh, govern a house. Mm. Oh, thanks, brother. The words. And with, with all of this stuff, fellas, do you think that is it safe to say that women can be a little too insensitive? I mean, to, excuse me, can women be a little too sensitive, whereas we can be a little too insensitive, you know, with some of these uh, touchy subjects that we've uh, discussed, um, you know, dealing with sickness and death? Do you think that women might, in some cases, be too sensitive, whereas we might be insensitive? Like, where, where's the, the balance that we should try to achieve when dealing with a sick parent or, you know, um, the death of a parent in some cases? Um, do, we don't, do we just deal, men and women just deal with this stuff differently? Yeah, it, it depends on who it is. I know at my, uh, uh, my, my, my biological father's funeral, um, when we was in the when we were in the limo, a lot of my brothers and sisters was on that side. They were crying, um, and I don't know if I told y'all this, but when we was pa- when we were passing, uh, me and my wife and I in our pastimes or on our date, the, on our dates we like to take cheap dates. We like to go look at um, um, houses, you know, uh, model homes. That's one of our things, and um, and uh, we passed the we passed the community. Uh, on the way to the funeral home, and I wasn't crying. You know, I, I don't know why. I, I, I just don't cry at funerals, I, and, and I think everybody think I should. I should have been. I don't know. But we passed this community, and I saw this house, and I said, "Hey, we got to remember this this way that we took, because I want to come back after we're, this is over with. I want to come back and see that house." And she kind of like, "Hey, this is a root time to say that," but. I wasn't thinking, well, I'm, maybe I was, but I didn't care because I was just thinking about other things. I mean, death doesn't move everyone the same way. And because I, I look at the person going on to a better place, and they don't they don't have anything to worry about it now. You know, if if I do cry, it's going to be because I probably miss them, but it's not because of, it's going it's not going to be like a mourn. It's going to be like a happiness. Um, but when I, when they when people look at the way I act or react or respond, they um, they see it as negative mm-hmm. and in, in, insecure or in uh, uh, insensitive or things like that. And even my wife was crying. I'm like, hey, well, you, you, we believe different. Why are you crying? I mean, I, I don't say that to her, but I would, I was just thinking that. But I just don't. It doesn't bother me when people die because it's just like you said, it's a part of life. Mm. Your words. Anybody else? Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we all deal with 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 that death differently. Um, and I do believe that there is somebody out there that, if if they were to pass away, it might break you. And I think that we all have that one person or few people that if they if something were happened to them, um, you know. Would be very difficult for us. So, Darren, you know, the, you know, I mean, 
I hear what you're saying. We know it's a happier place, but still, like I said, somebody, that person hasn't passed away yet. That's probably going to break you. Yeah. And I'm hoping right. that doesn't happen, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not naive to that. It just it hasn't it hasn't happened to me that way. Yeah. Every time that it has happened, I always like, wow, they are so lucky that they have lived a, a life and they they died at ninety, and now they're 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 better off. You know, uh, maybe a child that that will probably get next to me, but uh, a a person that has lived their life to the to the fullest. I mean that's amazing to me, especially nowadays when so many people are dying because of other things that they, sh- you know, just getting involved with things that they shouldn't be getting involved in. Yeah, mm. that's good words. And I want to play a final clip, fellas. Uh, this is five seconds. Anybody can say what they would or wouldn't do until they're in a situation. And that was my boy Andrew and. The one thing, fellas, I realized after being in the thick of my mother-in-law being sick is that I ain't ready for all this. Um, I am literally mentally and physically exhausted right now. I've been noticing myself being short-tempered and snapping at my kids. Obviously, it's just me and them half the time. Um, But after almost six consecutive years and countless, countless hours on this show talking to you guys about everything under the sun. I thought I was ready, but I really wasn't. As a married man, I am inadequate in giving my wife what she needs when it comes to emotional support during these trying times this past 30 days. And how do I know this? She told me so. And it wasn't a pleasant experience. Um, so what do y'all think about this? Does this surprise you? Um, does it scare you to know that you may not be ready? Like I'm not ready. I wasn't ready. Like what? Like my my question for you is when she, when you say that you weren't um, <clears throat> available, uh, I mean whether it just you were you distant, were you snappy, were you just was it all of the above, or that you just try to act like it didn't exist? I mean it kind of be kind of interesting to hear your insight on that. Yeah, that's a great question. I would say that for me, optimistic. And there was a situation right before her mom's surgery. And, you know, I was just like, hey, she's going to be fine. You know, she's got the best team of doctors and, you know, she's in the right place. She's going to be fine. And, my wife didn't really take too kindly to that response. And I was like, okay. And she explained to me the severity of her mother's condition, um, the severity of open-heart surgery, um, and that I was being 
I guess, in, insensitive. And, you know, my approach, I didn't really say much, you know, about it one way or the other um, during these times. But when I did say something, it was optimism. It was your mother's going to be fine. You know, that was my stance. And I've gone to see her mother one time um, during this process, and I saw her uh, the Saturday right before she had the surgery. And um, it was good that I went down. I took the kids, and, you know, we're trying to keep the kids away during this sensitive situation. And, you know, a lot of times we wouldn't, the kids weren't allowed, you know, in the, you know, in, in the intensive care unit, you really can't take um, little kids in there anyway. But I did go down and see her, you know, the one time. Um, but, you know, I, I just, uh, my, my my main thing was optimism. And I didn't really get, you know, the only report that I got, the only updates I got was from my wife. And, you know, again, as I stated earlier, there were some times where they were making funeral arrangements. I mean, that's what it was. And, but, you know, on the flip side of that, you know, I saw her, you know, right before the surgery, and I'm like, you know, your mother looks really strong, and I didn't see her when she, you know, initially went in, but, you know, she looked strong and she looked um, ready for surgery. But, you know, my approach, I guess, was, um, optimism was hope, faith, and I don't know if that was the right approach. Obviously, because it didn't come off that well. So, uh, one, let me let me, let me okay. I was ask you a question. What, what did your wife ever tell you? What she had expected of you? Um. And I think that's the, the flip side of it is if the person is telling you that you're not meeting her need, the flip side of it to be 360 about it would be to say, this is what I need in this moment. Yeah, and I'll say that she told me that after, you know, I, I gave, you know, my response. So she definitely told me after, and again, it was not pleasant. Um but to your question beforehand, no. Um, I think that it's kind of what we talk about often is that we should, on some levels, kind of know what to do and, you know, how to be supportive, emotionally supportive. And I don't know if she thought to, maybe I need to sit down and tell Rodney exactly what I need. It was an assumption on what she needed and, Obviously, I guess wrong. Um, but no, I mean to your to your to your question, brother. I mean, no, we didn't have. She didn't sit me down and say, "Well, this is what I need." You know, so, one thing, Rodney, uh, when my wife and I was in this situation, uh, she told me uh, when I was trying to trying to make her feel better, uh, quote unquote. Uh, she said, "Sometimes I want to vent." And only thing you have to do is listen. And if you just listen, that's how you fix me, just listening. Because I don't need you to say anything to try to fix any, some, my, my problem or my issues. 
I don't need you to say anything to try to make me feel better. Well, actually, what make me feel better if you don't say anything at all and you just be a here, a ear, and a shoulder. Mm-hmm. And that's all I need. So my mistake was trying to make her feel better by being optimistic, and it was an utter disaster at that point. You know, so um, to help, you know, a situation is sometimes not even saying anything. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know that he said the wrong thing. Um um, being optimistic a lot of times isn't a bad thing, I don't think. I think he says what, you know, most of us would have said. She's going to be all right. I probably would have said the same exact thing, you know. Um, it may be something else that she was referring to, Rodney. Um, but, again, it's a trying time for for her. It's a trying time for you because this is something that you're not accustomed to dealing with as well. And your workload is picked up in her absence, you know what I'm saying? So, you you know, okay, excuse you for being a little short or just like you didn't have a, a, a – you didn't pick enough time to give her a long, elaborate uh, um, feeling about what's going to happen. So you're like, yeah, they're going to be okay. It's in the Lord's hands. It is what it is, you know. But at some point, like I said, you will have probably been going through a lot through this situation too. So you can't be so hard on yourself. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. Uh, <clears throat> final question, fellas. The topic is my sickly parent is affecting my healthy marriage. But what if you have healthy parents but a sickly marriage? What if your marriage was sick? before a parent got sick. And I say that because, you know, my marriage, y'all know, I mean, my marriage is strong. You know, um, we have had our storms, um, you know, several years ago. Um, but before this incident, my marriage is strong. And we may not, with our three kids, we, we may not be able to get out on the nice date nights like you, you gentlemen uh, tend to do on a frequent basis as much as we like. But... Overall, our marriage is very healthy, very strong. So the question, what if you have healthy parents for a sickly marriage? What are the results? I think that's, I think the mar- marriage is only as strong as the bricks and mortar. And I think that if you have a building with nice windows and nice furniture and nice paint and that nice design, but a but a weak foundation, it's going to crumble. And once mm. you put sickly parents in that building, it's going to crumble with the parents in it. You see what I'm saying? So I think at some point, you know, you have to make sure that your marriage is and, – and we're talking about a lot of things tonight that, re, that circle back to a strong foundation in marriage, the dealing with dementia, dealing with – paying for a funeral, dealing with uprooting the family and moving to take care of a uh, um, sickly parent. A lot of things, you know, you know, when the guys were talking about how dealing with these illnesses are coming at a younger age. You know, some people are in their 20s, 30s, married, dealing with sick parents or sick spouse. You know, so 
I think the foundation of your marriage has got to be on point or you'll never be able to, to weather these storms that are about to come. Mm. Mm. That's good. That's good. Anybody else? I really believe that when sick parents are involved with your healthy marriage, that's what make your marriage unhealthy. Um, in my opinion, my my mother, uh, and, and this is my situation, people might think of it as a little insensitive, but I know my mother, okay, um, and she, if she asked to move with me and my wife, my answer would be no, and this is my mother. And I would uh, put her in a lovely retirement home where they have water sports and uh, spades and all of the other stuff. But I know. Yeah, he said spades. <laughs> I might go over there and play some um, play some tricks with your mama over at this nice retirement home. <laughs> hey, whatever they do to make her happy, I know that my mother will make my healthy marriage uh, a sick one. Mm. So um, so by knowing that, I am not going to invite that into my home. I mean, even when she comes to visit, I love her dearly, but you shouldn't rearrange another woman's house after that woman tells you, I like it where it's at. So I don't want my, my, my wife to hate my mother. And that will include me or that will try, kind of put me between them and my wife would be telling me to tell my mother stuff and my mother would say this and my wife would go back. I would be the middleman getting beat up and that will ultimately have a, a, a an effect on my marriage and I don't want that. So we need to understand as husbands, uh, guard your house even against your closest loved ones, you know, so... Uh, and, I, and I'm going to do just that. That's my job that I'm tasked with, and I have to be man enough to admit that this will not work. Mm. 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 That's good words. And, fellas, caring for aging and sickly parents can be extremely stressful, so much so it's not uncommon for the stress to take a serious toll on your marriage. But remember your wedding vows, as has been talked about the show, in sickness and in health, for richer or poor, for better, for worse. The same thing applies for the rest of the family. And try to keep yourself healthy because you can't take, a, you can't take care of others if you don't take care of yourself. You should continue to nurture your marriage while at the same time caring for your aging parents.